心。The guy I've been buying records for for <laughs> past decade almost, and um, I've gotten probably my majority of my like over a hundred record collection from from you, I'd say, and got a couple stores in the Fox Valley, like northeastern Wisconsin. His name's Adam. Yep. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me to be on. I'm glad we could make it work finally. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like I was saying, I I think I reached out to you. Oh man, it was I don't, mid mid last year. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like September or something. like I that. I kept getting a hold of all your workers, yeah. and <laughs> this is when you're yeah. setting up your second store. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's like, "He's busy, he's busy." I'm like, "All right, all right, I'll just yeah." There I'll was just like, let it go for now. Yeah, there was like unless something was on fire, or you were my wife or my mom, <laughs> it was like not getting answered basically for like six or eight months. Yeah. Like nobody, I like fell off the face of the planet. For, very, for a few months very busy guy yeah yeah yeah. it's been better this year ironically enough the only time i could come home was for the holidays which is already a busy time for everyone but we ended up making it happen yeah so it's after christmas that's all that matters I was, yeah i think that's what i told you right it's like as long as it's after christmas if you're here after christmas cool yeah like, does, does it get pretty busy around yeah. here around yeah, yeah. like an, yeah. yeah like last in 2022 christmas was pretty wild um and this year it was even more so yeah. Uh, just, you know, being, being, having our second store established for this whole extra year, going into another, um, another like holiday period. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it'd be good, like bad, better than, than last year, but it was like more than expected. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it gets pretty hairy, but like everyone that works here is like, we got a super solid crew. Um, we kind of like had the training wheels of like only being open a few months for last Christmas. Yeah, so we yeah. kind of knew what to, what to expect and how we needed to do things. And, um, like everyone that is at the shops has been here for like years. Mm-hmm. We have like no turnover whatsoever, which is like every record store. Like nobody ever wants to quit working at the record store. Um, but everyone that's in charge uh, and and managers and assistant managers are really good at at what they do, and we all they all love it. So I I, I could like I knew it was all going to be fine. We were just going to be real busy for a couple weeks. For so, sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean I. I guess I think about everything now, but I've really only known you like in the present. I've never really like we talked about like mm-hmm. I never really got to know you like who you were before all this. Sure, and, sure. Like, well, you you started coming to the shops pretty early on though. Like the the original store when yeah. I was on like a tiny location on the south side of the bridge where there's like nothing over there. Yeah. It's like a destination. I see why shop. you moved. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as as soon as like we needed more space, I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to go for it and try to get to like the downtown area. So that worked out really yeah. well, but um you you had been coming I mean, I th- I want to say you came in with your family like wh- what were you like 15 or 16 years yeah, old probably something and, like that, you me know? And my pops. Yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. I was I think I was I don't even think I had my driver's license no, yet. Yeah, I think yeah. I was like late 15 maybe. Yeah. It was my freshman year of high school. Cuz it would have been almost 8 years ago, like seven and a half years yeah. ago probably. Yeah. So um cuz that's when you opened up, right? Mm-hmm. 20 yeah. 2016 Summer 2016, yeah. September. I came in the fall, I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. There's still, like, a lot of folks, too, that come in that have been coming to the shop, you know, since since the early days. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Like, it's cool to see. Like, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I've, like, no, I known some of these people for, like you said, almost a decade, yeah. right? One by super fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah. No, I've, I've never had anyone ask me this, but I think if I... 
if I did, I'd, you know, if someone was like, what's your favorite record store? I'd be like, to be honest, like, I love this one, but like, that was my favorite just cause it was the my first, dude, you know, like, yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. special. Yeah. I appreciate like, it. That's yeah. And it, I miss that little shop every day. The, the hardwood floor, the brick wall, yeah. the, the pressed tin ceiling, something the, about it. It had so much, awesome. yeah, it had so much character. The building was so old and cool and it was cozy. Yeah. Like it had that little intimate vibe and like we obviously we needed more room and we needed a better spot if i could have like just moved that building yeah, and like well, renovated the back of it um to to like a better better area right. uh it would have been just sick. the wrong location yeah, just yeah. a couple blocks off yeah, yeah. and everyone thought that like that that basketball stadium was gonna like make the south side of town like pop oh, off and there's yeah. gonna be all sorts of development and of course as someone that like was born and raised in oshkosh and like born in the 80s and raised in oshkosh and like knew how cruddy downtown was and how yeah. long it took just this block to get cool um i was like there ain't no way there's gonna be just some like fast <laughs> some f- like fast changeover overnight yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if, if the basketball stadium does end up succeeding which i know they've been ha- like i hear the news of whatever whatever is going on over there but if if it succeeds long term and they're able to keep doing cool concerts there and the events and people get more and more into the basketball games great in 20 years Maybe it won't be a pile of gravel yeah. on that one block, you know. <laughs> Maybe, but um, like there, you know, there's because there's that dilapidated old cripes. I don't even know if you know about the hotel, like the old hotel that was back on the island back there. No. See, yeah, you're too young. <laughs> like I, it, it closed down when I was young, right? But um, where there's that little trail right where the bridge is now, uh-huh. that used to be a road that goes back to the Pioneer Hotel, which was on this like little island. You had to take like a little bridge to get onto it uh-huh. right there. It was really cute, like on, on the lake, you know, and with a little channel that went around it. And it was awesome. And that's just been like dilapidated. They're finally like tearing it down and doing new stuff with that island. Like it just takes Oshkosh too long to do stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, which, which like, especially now that I have the store in Appleton and I'm um, more apart, like, becoming a part of the community up there and seeing how, how things move and develop and progress there. Like they just have such a good grip on yeah. <laughs> this is what we need to do to make Appleton cool and appealing and help it grow downtown, you mm-hmm. know? And like, cause the old exclusive company that was in Appleton, it was out by like the Northland mall miles from downtown. And like, yeah, malls used to be big and cool and everyone used to want to go to the Coles or whatever that was up there. But now you go past that Northland Mall and it's just like mostly empty, like most strip malls, you know, and the downtown is just like absolutely bustling down there. It's it's the city does a, lot, a really good job of doing that. And Oshkosh, they're trying, but obviously it's smaller. There's less money here. It's a different type of community. You can only do so much like. Um, but yeah, it's it's it was. I knew that it wasn't going to be a fast improvement of like that whole neighborhood on yeah, the South yeah, Main. Yeah. So. Oh, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess it, maybe maybe taking it back to that that those days, you know, when you're just a kid or whatever. I, I just wanted to start super general, sure. like in terms of in terms of just like music and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I mean, ever since you can remember, I'm guessing you've been into music. Yeah, type yeah. So thing, definitely, or? my parents influenced it. So, like, I have a lot of early memories. I still have my dad's turntable that he bought in the 70s. Yeah. An old Technics SL 1200 turntable, just like all the radio DJs and, and you know, like the techno DJs and hip hop DJs would use. Um, the, the old classic workhorse turntable, I still have his original one. 
Could you and, like share that? Would your dad like let you touch that as a kid? Or no, no, not when I was a kid. Yeah, not when I was a kid. Absolutely not. No, that was like a that was an expensive turn. I mean, yeah. they still are. You you get like a new one, like the new model these days, and like thousand dollar turntables. Yeah. Like his, if I tried to sell his, it would probably still be like six or seven hundred dollars for like a working condition one of those. So back then, absolutely not. I could not touch it. But I did get to pick out some records. Um, and in our house, it was a lot of um, Black Sabbath and. Uh, Jimi Hendrix and okay. Pink Floyd for sure, and Rush. My mom's favorite band is Rush. Um, so early on, um, like I, I have drawings I did of a kid because I loved all the album artwork so much of like King Crimson, Court of the Crimson King, like the face. Yeah, like I drew that, and I did a drawing of like a little bird from the cover of a Yes album. My my mom like loved Prague, so that's what I was exposed to growing up. Right out of the, and like even though those bands are popular. Like, we weren't just sitting around listening to, like, pop music when I was yeah. a kid. We were listening to King Crimson and Pink Floyd when I was a kid. Like, that was the first music I was exposed to. So that really, I think, helped kind of forge, um, like, an early love for music and, like, cool progressive music that was, like, yeah. different and outside the norm. Um, my mom is from a... F- my mom sang and played guitar, and she's from a whole family of musicians. Okay. Like, her brothers have... I don't know if you're familiar with like private press albums, but they're basically like what we today would just call like a self-release or like an independent release record. Like it's something that's just on like some dudes back in the seventies just paid to press their own record. It's not on a record label, but back then from records back then they're called private press releases. So her brothers have like a private press album of like some Genesis style, like, like light prog, like Mm -hmm. not really super crazy. Um, that's like worth a bunch of money, <laughs> like, like a rare record. Like her, her brothers were, were good musicians. So like, it's kind of the, the family thing was always, always music. Um, and my dad just always loved, he didn't play, but he always loved music and, um, you know, Janis Joplin picture on the wall and Jimi Hendrix pictures yeah, on the wall and stuff sure. like that. Um, so that was like really the beginning. And I just loved, I, I played drums when I was young. I was say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So so I played drums a bunch, um, starting in middle school as a percussionist and then um, having a drum kit and fell away from it for a few years, but then came back to it like in my early 20s and actually like learned how to play drums instead yeah. of just like doing the stuff at school. Yeah. Um, I remember my mom being like mad that <laughs> that band class was not like playing a drum kit, <laughs> that it was like you have to play the the parade bass you know the bass drum in the parade or play the the concert bells or do this or just play like the tenor drum or the snare drum or whatever she was like she's like this is like pointless or like you you already learned the rudiments like that we need to just get you a drum set you just need to play drums um so that was cool that she like pushed it in like the rocker direction yeah, you know yeah. instead of just like a percussionist which is like fine but that's not what i wanted to do or what my mom thought was cool, you know. So. I mean, yeah, you listen to all those bands. I would assume, yeah, want to be yeah. like them to some extent yeah. and get mm-hmm. get jamming a little mm-hmm. bit. You know? Yeah, you listen to Pink Floyd, you want to sit down on a drum kit. Yeah, you know, exactly. like you want to like play in the groove, um, not just sit there and playing like rudiments on a snare or whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, that was that was like the the big thing early on in life, and just being obsessed with music growing up and starting to go to the record store myself early on, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like high when ex- school or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. When exclusive company was here, I started going there like probably eight, seventh or eighth grade, mm-hmm. seventh grade. Yeah. I was buying. Yeah. I was definitely like going and buying my own CDs by then. And my parents just let me buy whatever I wanted. They didn't like it, but like the music themselves, but they didn't care if I listened to it kind of thing. There wasn't really like any 
rules or restrictions about that at our house, obviously. Like, growing up with parents that were kind of hippies and liked cool, progressive, different stuff. They just let me listen to whatever yeah. I want. So, um, yeah, buying CDs in middle school, going to Xos Company for years and years and years. Um, and that's actually like I went, I just went in one day to exclusive company when I was 16. Um, and I don't, like I said, I already been going in there for years. The managers like knew who I was just from coming in there, asking about stuff all the time. And, uh, it was like the, the, the dude that was the manager at the time, his name was Chad. I was just in there. I hadn't even asked about working there recently. Like I probably filled out an application at some point, like in the past. So he knew I was interested, but it wasn't really like anything I was pursuing. And he, he, I'm probably remembering it not exactly how it went, but it seemed like resignation of him just being like, are you looking for a job? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're in here all the time. Do you like, like he, like he just needed to hire someone. And he knew I loved music yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, of course. And I did like in the technicality stuff of an interview, but it was basically just like he, I was already, I was like losing my mind. I was like, I can't believe I get to work like at the record <laughs> store. This is the sickest thing ever. So on my 17th birthday, I started working at the exclusive company. No way. Yeah, it was I sick. No, I, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was sick. It was really sick. And um, I, so I got to know, I don't know if you know much about Mr. G and Betty, the owner and founder of the exclusive company stores. Oh. So like at their peak through the seven or through like the 80s, 90s, um, you know, all pre- digital music of any kind through the boom of the CD. I mean, cause they were st- founded in the fifties, mm-hmm. but they had like 11 stores throughout Wisconsin. That one in Oshkosh that you might, you would have known when you were young. Oh yeah. And yeah, then, I went to that. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Appleton, Green Bay, a handful of Milwaukee ones, Madison ones, Janesville, West Bend, all that. Um, but the Oshkosh one was the second one when it was on this block here at like the old buildings. Mm. Um, so those are the ones that I worked at and, the own, the founder, Mr. G and Betty, you have, you have to call him Mr. G and Betty. That's, that's just or Mr. G. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, he was, uh, an old successful Italian man from Milwaukee and he went by Mr. G or Mr. G and Betty. For that's sure. what you did. Yeah. Um, but I made him money. So he really liked, <laughs> we had a good relationship. We ended up having a really good relationship, even though I was like an annoying teenager in reality to everybody. Um, I was just like too wound up about everything and too yeah. excited, like talking people's ears off about stuff and getting too wound up about music and too opinionated. Like it was a real like um, high fidelity kind of like energy sometimes where yeah. I was like too much. I was extra, you know, but, um, but he ended up teaching me a lot. I'd close every night, take the paperwork up to him and he'd, he'd chit chat. And like, of course at the time I'm like, Oh my God, I want to get out of here. I want to like go hang out with my friends. Yeah, I want right. to go do, yeah. want to go do whatever. Um, but in hindsight, I'm glad that like I chilled there and listened to what he had to say and got a lot of insight from him about, and actually retained knowledge about the conversations we had about the industry and how things work and, and his life experiences running a business and stuff like that. And like, he didn't get personal in telling me stuff personally or anything, but just about work. Yeah. About business. Um, so there was a ton of value in that. And I'm really grateful. Cause like, he was very private otherwise outside of like, he would be the voice on the commercials, the say it with me commercials. Yeah. You know? But outside of like recording all those ads and really being the voice of the company, like there weren't photos of him. There wasn't video of him. Yeah. Like no one really knew much about his personal Very knowledgeable life. guy, but yeah. unless you knew him, he didn't really yep. get to know him. Yep. Well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so getting to hang out and like get some knowledge, being taught by him, like some stuff about music and 
running a business and things like that. I wish I had could have retained more. I wish I had recordings of those conversations I could go back to and like tap into. Um, but grateful for like what I did retain. So that was like the foundation, you know, like growing up with my parents, loving music, right. my mom, yeah, you know, encouraging me to like get into music and being in bands and stuff like that. Um, and like being cool with me, just working at the record store, <laughs> not having like a more, you know, like legit job or whatever. Right. Cause probably not all moms are down to just have their son go. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, my, my yeah, parents were like, is... well, and like I growing up, I, like I was involved in like punk and hardcore music and there's this like subsect of hardcore and punk um, called straight edge, which is all just like abstaining from drugs and alcohol. And like, I'm old, I'm 40 now. So I drink whatever, but when you're young and you're into hardcore, everyone's straight edge, yeah. like at least until 21, like nobody drinks or smokes in the, in the hardcore scene back then. Um, so she knew I wasn't like gonna, I was probably crazier than a lot of the kids that were like drinking and doing, doing drugs and stuff that I like hung out with. But, um, she knew I wasn't going to like get messed up or do any, make any like unfixable mistakes, you know? Uh, so it was, yeah, it was cool. Like just having her support to kind of do whatever I wanted. Yeah. So, so I'm curious, you got Mm -hmm. this, you have this foundation, like you said, Mm -hmm. it seems you got, you worked at the exclusive company, Mm -hmm. which anyone that doesn't know Oshkosh, like, at least when I was growing up, like the two record stores were the exclusive company and eroding wins. As far as I know, there is no other record store. Not at that time. Yeah. And like for years and years prior to me opening up, um, there was, there wasn't another record. There, there was a place in town here called the Mad Hatter in the nineties, but I mean, it was at least, at least 22 years, 23 years. Yeah. That it was just the exclusive company in Oshkosh. Yeah. And I always joke that like, if it was anyone except me, Mr. G would have like crumbled. He he would have been like, we're, we're, we're going to put you out of business. We're gonna like, you know, do cause, cause like there were rumors of that. Like he, you know, there was a rumor that, um, he like bought a building that another record store was in just to like get him to move or close yeah, kind of yeah. thing. You know, like he was, he was a shrewd businessman. That's how you stay in business for over 60 years. You know, um, he knew what he was doing Yeah, and he had the money to do it. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a good long time there where there was nothing. And, uh, you know, like when I started, I wanted to kind of keep it like small and modest and, uh, different because a lot of the interviews like I went out and I did a lot of research on, on the music market and retail and a lot of interviews I read with other people that ran successful record stores would say like, create a shopping district, like. You're not going to take, you're not going to take business away from the other record store. People are going to, no one's going to park within walking distance of two record stores and just go to one of them. Unless they had a really bad experience at the other, they're not going to just go to one of the record stores in town. They're going to go to both, especially record collectors. Um, So if you do something different that complements the other place, the other business, it's only going to help both of you. Yeah. You know? So I thought about that a lot. And when I originally started the store, that's what I kind of like. That's how I ha- kind of engineered it. And that's why we had so much like weird music and used stuff and like okay, so not a lot of new popular music. That's how you try to yeah. like separate yourself yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. Which like in Oshkosh, there's not like an enormous market for. No. But Exclusive Company not. at that time didn't have like a huge reputation for doing a lot of used stuff. No. They definitely had like way more new vinyl there and like deep catalog stuff, which obviously like we have now because I have to um, and people want it. But um. 
back then they were fulfilling that need. So I didn't need to do that. Yeah. So that's why we focused so much on trying to find cool you stuff, which we did like we, especially for like a small oh, shop. Yeah. It was oh, like, yeah. yeah, it was like really, really easy to like find cool you stuff. Um, and it still is too. Like, you know, it's, it's been great still today, but yeah. So that's why back then it was such like a small operation, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. But so, I mean, high school seems quite a bit of ways for me now. It's been over eight years for me. I mean, since freshman year, at least like, mm-hmm. but I, I still like, like going back to that moment because now like, sure. like I told you, I'm like mm-hmm. going for my PhD now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on this track. And then I, I like find myself like, Oh, when was the first time? Like I thought I wanted to do this, you sure, know? Sure. And like, like you said, you, you, you had this foundation, you talked to the exclusive company, mm-hmm. like creator and founder. It sounds mm-hmm. like, like, I mean, at that time, like opening a record store, was that even a thought on your mind? So like, when, I, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. When I, so when I was in high school, I was in like this leadership class and, you know, so it was a lot of stuff of like talking about teaching us about like thinking about the future Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, so, so like, which was funny because I was like the, the, I was, it was a lot of like kids with really high grade point averages in that thing. Yeah. And then me who did not like school, high school was like not my thing at all. Um, but I took that class just for like the experience and the learning of, of, cause I, I knew I wanted to like do my own stuff, whatever that meant. I didn't have a clear idea at the time, but I was like, you know, I was like, all right, cool. I get, I'm working at the record store. I have like, I'm really into going to shows and concerts and stuff. I want to do something in music. So I feel like okay. I need to have like some knowledge. Yeah. I need to like glean some knowledge that's not like science class and math class. So I had tons of art classes and then like this leadership class and like a TV production class. I figured out that like back then in the Oshkosh area school district system, you only needed two years of math and two years of science to graduate. So after sophomore year, I didn't take any math or science classes, (laughs) which a mistake, maybe. But I got to take (laughs) all like four hours of graphic arts, art. All sorts yeah. of stuff every single day. Like the half of my schedule was arts classes, drama class, stuff, this leadership class, things like that. Uh-huh. Um, so in this leadership class, we had to make a list of like, what are like your your dream job things that you want to do? And it was like being a touring band, which like whatever, that's not even that like little did I know at the time that's like barely able to be a job for almost anybody. Yeah. That's like saying I want to play professional baseball, you know, like yeah. being in a touring band and having that being your job is just like not realistic. Um, owning my own, working for a record label, owning my own record store. There was one other thing on there. I can't remember what it was, but it was definitely like lower on the list of like at the bottom of the list, not like one of those. Those were like the top three okay. things. But it was like all music. Oh yeah, for sure. I was like, okay. I have to do music related yeah. stuff. Like I was just obsessed that's... with music. So that was kind of like, even though like life took me in other kind of directions, it was never like wavering far from that. And as we talk here, I'm going to hit all. <laughs> I, I look yeah. back on it like years later. Cause our, our, our leadership teacher like mailed these to us like five years later or something like that. Or five years after graduation. I can't remember what it was. Um, but every, every, every year he would mail out the five years ago. Yeah. People's letters to themselves kind of thing. Um, which was really cool. So that means he had to like have our parents' addresses on file basically. Cause he would like mail them to our parents' house 
And if the letters came back, he had to like contact people to try and get the, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like he, really, he really went through like the thing to, to, to make sure that like everyone got their like five years ago self letter. No, that's you know? cool though. Yeah. It was sick. Um, and so, but when I got it, I was like, I was like, wait, I'm like kind of doing all this stuff. So when I graduated from high school, I barely graduated from high school. Yeah. I graduated with a 1.8. I literally did like the bare minimum <laughs> to graduate. It came down to my English four final two days from graduation day. If I passed the final, I graduated. Oh my God. And I got like a D on it and I barely graduated from high school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so at that time I was like, there is no, I had not been pursuing or entertaining the idea of college at all. I knew I, I was like, everyone was like, it's different than high school. It'll you know, which I know it is. And it'll be better for how you learn and blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone of course is trying to encourage you all yeah. through high school. College is the thing. Um, but I was just like, that is, that is not for me. That's not That's what I want really to do. really cool that you knew that. Cause well, there's so many it, kids that go and, but it could have been a terrible idea too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could have been a terrible, like I could just be working in a factory right now, which is fine. Like plenty of people work at factories. You make great money. I would not be happy doing that. Right. But that could have been like, I could have just had to fallen into doing a trade. I didn't care about. Yeah. You know, that was, this is really, there's a balance. I've been, I've been failing upward for like 15 years, basically is like kind of how I like explain it. Like (laughs) this shouldn't have worked, but I've been too stubborn (laughs) to let it not work kind of thing. So I graduate from high school. Um, I keep working at exclusive company. I was already kind of like familiarizing myself with like the Milwaukee hardcore punk scene going to shows and like getting involved on message boards and stuff, you know, cause this is all pre-social media. Yeah, this is yeah, 2000, yeah. 2001. Um, so like Friendster is like, and MySpace are the premier social media platforms. So were you on there or not? Not, not Friendster. Really. And I only got a MySpace for my band that I started later. I never, I don't think I ever had a personal MySpace cause we always would like give people a bunch of crap for being on. It was like cheesy back then, you know, to be on early social media was like, like you were the weird guy kind of thing. It was just or? cringy. Yeah, like, it was like, really? dude, like wow. you're just sitting here like taking weird selfies of yourself and like, um, you know, because because back then you had to like use a cam, like a digital camera, like actual digital camera, <laughs> right, you know, separate. early digital camera, yeah, yeah. not on a phone. Um, no one had like we all still had like Nokia flip phones or whatever, which barely took photos. Um, like it was just kind of like, oh, you're on MySpace. We that's like. Yeah. That's odd. Now yeah. it's the, now yeah. it's almost the other way around. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I don't have Instagram besides for my podcast, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Let me like follow you." And I'm like, "I don't have yeah. one." And they're like, "It's like that's that good. that same look." Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's totally reversed. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, "Oh, sorry." Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah, Like if you if you were like underground in into underground stuff or punk or whatever hardcore scene, um, it was like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was just like. There were, there were plenty of people that were on like early Friendster, which you probably never even heard of. That was like, I've heard one. of Friendster. You have? Okay. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm I took really a surprised. social media course. Oh, so I think okay. that's the only yep. reason why the history of social. Yeah. So that yeah. Friendster was early, man. Yeah. That was like really early. And there were like a lot of other smaller little ones too, but, um, that was all pre Facebook. Like obviously Facebook changed everything. But, yeah. um, so I, I'm on these message boards since that's like the thing then, like I'm visiting like record labels, message boards and bands, message boards. And that was like the, and then just some like music related message boards. And that was like the way to interact with people in the same way you interact in Facebook yeah, or Instagram yeah. now or Reddit, Reddit, Reddit yeah. honestly is just early two thousands forums. 
realistically when you come down to it. I think Reddit's a lot more annoying. <laughs> like people back then, um, I don't know, were more, less willing to be like an absolute piece of crap yeah, on the internet polite, all the time. You know? of, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like like, like people were still know-it-alls, but I don't know. It's just like the, the etiquette of it these yeah. days is just like toxic, way more toxic. Oh, yeah. But um, so I ended up uh getting a hold of these dudes that were all around the same age as me and into the similar music that were all in the Milwaukee area and I went down there and I started jamming with them and we started a band and we like none of us were part of like the the scene at all or like cool <laughs> like in the Milwaukee hardcore scene we didn't really know anybody but I was like pretty social so I like started kind of like making friends with some of the people booking shows and stuff like that and I managed to get us on like a pretty cool like hardcore show in Milwaukee for like our first show after like being a band for six months or eight months or whatever. That's and, so cool. Like some of the local guys, like some of the other guys that were in the band that were local got us this, like a practice spot in like the cool rundown warehouse building where like the bands we liked practiced, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like yeah. we found out like, hey, where do you guys practice? Where should we get a spot? <laughs> we had to like split a space with this other band and all this stuff. And I was driving down there twice a week for practice. Um as like an you know a 19, 19 year old kid, uh, it was dude. I loved it. I it's it like was, an hour and a half away. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like yeah, like Friday Friday night after work, I would go down. Sunday after work, I'd go down. Like it was awesome. I loved it. I know. Like I when I was going to shows, I was going to like shows every other week that were all in Chicago and Milwaukee because none of the yeah. bands I wanted to see were coming up here. Um, so I was already like planting the seeds of like life somewhere else, you know, to like get out of Oshkosh because I just absolutely hated it here in the in the 90s, late 90s was just like nothing for me. I don't identify with anything <laughs> like going on in Oshkosh. No, post high school, I was like, even when I was a senior, I was like, mm -hmm. I got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. I got to like see something new, you know? People should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it sucks that like Oshkosh is, it's, and let me tell you, it's way better than it used to be. Yeah. Like, dude, oh my God. Like <laughs> so much better than it was. And like, in, cause like in the 90s, like, the, the comic shop was open, but it was, like, in a smaller spot, like, further off downtown. Um, there wasn't this big, cool board game shop. Uh, Satori's was still here. That was cool, but I didn't smoke, so I didn't care. Yeah. You know, I didn't like hippie, hippie stuff. I the, the kids that liked The Grateful Dead, we were, like, we all got along, but it was, like, playful joking with each other about hating each other's music, you know? So, like, and even though I go to Satori's now and also listen to The Grateful Dead now, <laughs> back when I was that age, wasn't my thing, you know? Um it was, it was literally just like exclusive company in the coffee shop. Like that's, that's what I, that was, I was like, I was like, there's never shows here. If yeah. There was a show. No one would come. It's terrible. You know? Um, and anyone that knows Oshkosh now, I mean, down like main street is dude, kind of a find, spot. Find like, me another place where you can go to get decent coffee, incredible selection of comic books, including rare and collectible stuff. Go to the, like an awesome head shop, hippie shop, Satori's that's been there. And, um, the used video game shop that has a bunch yeah. of video games. Oh, my, me and my friends love yeah. that place. Yeah, yeah. Mojo's is sick. Come over here, get some records, go to um the board game store, get like the amount of awesome stuff. Yeah. There's like a rock store down there too now. The or rock something? shop. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. The rock shop is cool. Um there's the pet store that my buddy Christy runs that has like pet supplies and does dog grooming and stuff. Like for two blocks of a town like Oshkosh, there's a lot it's of cool insane. stuff down there. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So like, that's what I say. Like, half these stores were like, oh, and the vintage shirt shop too. Like the dudes that got to own vintage too. Yeah. Like cool, like cool stuff. 
you know, all over downtown here. And like, granted back then it was a skate shop, but I didn't skateboard, whatever. But like the skate shop was also cool back in the nineties. I got to give it to them too. Um, but so I, so I joined this band. We start this band, I should say in Milwaukee. I'm doing vocals then. Cause one of the dudes that was already involved was a drummer. So we start like this hardcore metalcore band. Um, we get on this first show. It goes like awesome. And like, we're like instantly in, in like the Milwaukee. Scene. Let's go. That's yeah. Good. It was, it was really sick. It was like my dream come true. It's like, Oh my God, I've been coming to shows down here for years. And like, we're, we're a part of it now. Yeah. And like that kind of like made this weird little thing where like my little group of friends, all of us were like buddies I had made that were like UWO students here, but they were all hardcore, like dudes that were into hardcore from the Milwaukee area. Right. Um, a, for some reason, a ton of them were going to school up here. So like it was all these people I met through working at exclusive company that were all from there. And then all their friends that were into punk and hardcore from down there. So we had like this weird crew of like outsider dudes that were all like the young kids. Like we were like the new generation of like the hardcore scene in Milwaukee or part of it. Like us and a few other bands that were coming up. And like we just started getting put on a bunch of shows um, and like recorded a demo and, all you know, did did all the normal stuff you do as a band and ended up going on this like sick tour after a couple years of like playing really good out of town shows all over the place. Um, and the tour was really fun. And when we get back, two of the guys decide we don't want, we don't, we don't like this. No, to someone in the, to the, the drummer guys in the and band? the guitar player that wrote like oh. most of the songs, like was one of the main songwriters. So we try to replace dudes. We're just like, you know what? It's just, it is, it's, it's not going to be the same. No, it's no. the two of the founding dudes are gone. What I think was, at that time I would have been the only original guy. So like, what was it called? It was, it was <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like, I got to preface this. All right. The big thing back then was like emo-y melodic hardcore. Like we weren't, there was no clean singing. All right. There was no like pretty whiny parts, but it was like really melodic guitars with like crushing mosh parts. All right. Yeah. So the band was called Love's Despair because it had to be like an emo <laughs> ass name, right? For a metalcore band. Um, so it's like, it was, I mean, it wasn't a good name then and it's like pretty cringe now, but, <laughs> but like we get, we got to be like pretty well known for like the Midwest, the Midwest hardcore scene, yeah. which was sick. And this is like, yeah. I don't think most of like most of the people listening to this are like people my age, like a lot of my friends. Sure. And like, I think one thing that comes to mind is like, I don't even post this on YouTube. Like this goes straight to Spotify and like mm-hmm. Apple podcasts. Like, you guys didn't have that. Like, no. you were you handing out, were you recording, Dude, like handing out CDs? So, like, what were you doing? Yeah, that's um, before all of that. There was a couple different websites where you would upload music <clears throat> and they had some sort of algorithm aspect to them, I guess, of like, here's trending music. But okay. it, there was one called Pure Volume that was like a big deal. Oh, and that's the MySpace page. Like networking through MySpace for your band, there was always like you could upload like four or five songs or whatever it was, however many. Um, but that was the big thing: how many plays do you have on MySpace? How many? You know what I mean? Like so you was, could upload music on, on MySpace. MySpace. Yep, yep, wow. yep. Like if you had a okay, so you, you did have something. Profile, I yep. guess. Okay. Yep. So eventually, like it wasn't my personal one, but one for the band where we had a MySpace page for that, where there was it was like a landing page with your music, um, and you couldn't and it had like a almost like like a Facebook wall of like comments yeah. too, you know, so That's like people cool. comment on stuff and follow you. Um, 
and then Pure Volume was one that was kind of like more indie focused, and then there was one that was just for hardcore and metalcore bands called HXC MP3. HXC is like hardcore, stands for hardcore. Uh-huh. HXCMP3.com. Um, and that was a really big one. Like bands that got popular on there, like typically, like I remember finding a lot of stuff on there that like bands that went on to be like well known in like wow. the underground scene. So, <clears throat> so those were like the big places where you'd like have your music hosted, uh-huh. you know, like early on. Um, this was like the beginning of streaming music, yeah. you know. And um, then it was just a lot of posting on those forums that I talked about like networking on those forums where I found the dudes to be in the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple of different forums in Milwaukee that were pretty popular. And then just other ones for bands, like being the annoying dude post on there being like, Hey, my band recorded a demo, check it out. You know, kind of thing. Here's our MySpace page. Um, it, it was just that. And like, it, like when to kind of like put some of that other stuff from that time from this perspective, like we were, when, when we were on this, the one tour that I got to do where I, it was my band and I was singing, you know, kind of thing. So I got to mark that off my little checklist. So cool, um, yeah. A, a show fell through. So we had to go to the library in Sarasota, Florida, and find shows on forums that were happening in Atlanta where our show just fell through or something. like I can't remember what town it was where the show fell through. Find other shows that were happening, and then find the phone numbers of the people booking the shows all like at the library because no one had a phone. No one had – there was no mobile internet. Yeah. And none of most of us didn't have cell phones either. So, print out directions to the venues where we were going to try to get on shows that were already happening. And it wasn't even guaranteed. No, <laughs> but we were like, "All right, here's we need to know how to get to this place. We need to know how to get here. We need to know how to get here. Here's who's booking this show, this show, and this show. We're gonna need to call them while we're driving north out of Florida to like try and get on these shows. Like that was, and even that was like, if you talk to like dudes that are five, ten years older than me, they're. They don't have that even. Like they have literally yeah. like there was a book. Do you, does cur- does cursing on the podcast bother you or not? No. Okay. So <laughs> so there was an old book called Book Your Own Fucking Life, that was all about like being in a band and 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 booking tours. And I think that's the book that had like it got published or updated recently. I can't remember if that's the one that was updated regularly or if it was a different one. God dang it, I can't remember now. Um, but there was a book that was like. Here's people that book shows in all these cities. And like, that's how dudes before me used to like book their punk and hardcore tours was uh-huh. like, you had this Bible of a book that got published that you had to get, or like someone would photocopy it for you or whatever. And like, it was a punk publisher, so they didn't care, you know, as long as they could like pay for the paper once in a while, they were good. And you would have that book. And it's like, here's all the people we have to call in all the cities. No emails. Like we're gonna have to mail them the CD. So, like, thankfully, we had one step up on that, having yeah. some internet. Um, but it was, that was, like, a wild time. Uh, like, when I look back on it now. Yeah. You know, of just, like, how did business happen? <laughs> like, when, you know, like, how how did this, it was crazy. A lot slower, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. So, we, we got back from that tour, and things fizzled out, fell apart. Yep. I was pretty depressed. And around that time, um, I was still working at Exclusive Company in Oshkosh, and the one of the vendors that we ordered from, we ordered like a lot of punk and metal and hardcore CDs from, they hit me up and they're like, hey, we need to hire another sales rep. We're really busy. And my sales rep at the time was like, I think you'd be really good for it. Like, you know everything about all the music we already carry. You're really personable on the phone. I think you'd be really good for it. And I was 19, 20. I was 20. And so they... 
had me come out for an interview in Ohio and meet with the owners and my sales rep dude that was there. Um, and they offered me a job to work for a music distributor that had like a big umbrella of exclusive labels. Like this was the place where you had to get these labels from. And it was a bunch of like my favorite record labels. Yeah. Awesome. Like labels I would have loved to have had put out our record if we were still a band kind of thing, you yeah. know? And like I bought all their releases. So I went to work there um, right before I turned 21 years old. And I didn't, I didn't know anyone aside from like the dude that was our sales rep. And that's it. So like I, I like got an apartment, like someone that worked there gave me a phone number of their property manager. And like, I basically just like committed to an apartment I never saw Yeah, in the same building she was in, which was great. Like, thank God I had her help with that. And some of the other people's help. And like, I went from living with my parents still when I was 20 to just like 450 miles away, knowing literally nobody living by myself, like for the first time. You're like, see a mom. They, they were, that my, <laughs> yeah. my dad, my dad wasn't stoked on it. Cause he was like very overprotective. Um, like he didn't want me to be that far away, but my mom was like, I still had my band's old touring van, which was six. So we just like filled the van to the brim. Like you could not fit one more like CD like in there. It was like filled. And that's what I had to, I'm like, if it doesn't fit in the van, we're getting rid of it kind yeah. of thing. I'm just taking my, this is my life and we're out of here. Um, and then she followed in her car. Uh, with a couple things in it and they helped me move out there. She's like, I'll buy you your first fridge full of groceries. So that's like they, they stayed for the weekend and then they were out and I started this like job by myself, like my first adult job. Just essentially a brand new life. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. crazy. It was crazy. It was really scary. You quit exclusive and you were just, just gave them on. my notice. Yeah. Um, Mr. G, the owner gave me a farewell card that he wrote himself the, unheard of is it yeah. i don't know anyone i'm sure that it happened other times in yeah. history i don't know anyone that got a card from him that he wrote wow it was wild um so he like they're like sad to hear sad sad to hear it but like awesome we for, understand yeah. yeah so that was like the big that was the big thing that was my going to college huh. kind of thing that was me going off and like learning about the next stage of life yeah. On the career path I wanted to be on, you know, doing something in music. For sure. So there's the long answer to like the simple question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like where does it where does it take you from there then? Like are you is this where you started kicking around like the record label idea or everyone I mean... that worked there, half the people that worked there ran record labels. Okay. Um, like small independent record labels, just like one one guy operations, which is very common for like punk and hardcore underground stuff. Um, releasing mostly CDs, vinyl wasn't, okay. no one cared about vinyl back then. So this is just happening all around you. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. The people that own the company run a record label that's that was quite successful in the 90s. There was this emo pop punk band called the Get Up Kids that was really popular. I worked for the company that put out like the distribution arm of the company that released their CDs. Okay. So... This whole place was built on like '90s emo, yeah, <laughs> like basically. Yeah. Uh, so the, this- yeah, that's an important thing, though. You just briefly mentioned yeah, it, but yeah. I want to bring it up to people that aren't into records. Like, I mean, I I think from my knowledge, like the CD kind of killed the record yeah. in a lot of ways. Yep. And like you're talking, what is this, 2003 or something? So like, so that's when I moved out. Yeah, 2003 or 2004 was when I moved to Ohio, and by then digital was starting. 
the iTunes Music Store had just launched, yeah. which of course, like, I don't think even exists anymore. Like, I don't think you, they, that's even a thing now. And CDs are like huge at this point, CDs are huge. right? And huge. And, and records, which is so ironic. We had four rows literally of in a record yeah. store right now, yeah, but yeah, records yeah. were dead. Yeah, like they. I, I was going to people's houses when before I moved away, buying their Pink Floyd LPs for two dollars. Oh my god! They're just like, get them out of here. We don't want them. I'd go to the, you'd go to Goodwill and there'd be le- multiple Led Zeppelin records for ninety nine oh cents. Oh my goodness! It was a, the, what a time! What a time! I think every day about the the stuff I didn't buy. I'm like <laughs> yeah. I was buying records, then. yeah, like, yeah. I, But I just I'm like no, I don't want to listen to all that. You were just buying them for you. I want my right? Rush records. Like, I bought the Pink Floyd records from the guys. Yeah, like I I didn't buy stuff unless I wanted it because I was like I was you know working at the record store in the early two thousands did not pay great. No, so like no. I didn't have a lot of money, so I was only looking for the stuff I wanted. Um, but yeah, totally. Like when like you're saying when CDs killing vinyl. So like the through the 80s as the CD gained popularity and CDs were expensive like in in the 80s and early 90s like they were like near, like around 18 to 20 dollars then mm-hmm. like That's no one's paying 20 dollars for a CD now no, 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 no. and like you adjust that for inflation it was like 30 35 dollars no. or something like that you know um and and they were still like gaining so much popularity even like being very expensive for the time so once you get into the early 90s vinyl is just like there's stuff not even coming out on vinyl anymore cds are the format and there was that a solid decade there where record stores just flourished because there's this you know like the this 1959 the year the first commercial 12 inch 33 rpm lp came out from sony or um columbia classical music but still that was the first commercial lp before that it was just 45s and 78s you know like the seven inch ones or the 10 inch ones yeah from 59 until 89 the lp like ruled you know like that was all this new and that's the history of rock and roll is all gonna pretty much fall within that period right so like it's people buying music building their music collection building their music collection all this new music coming out through that time then cds hit no one wants to they're, they're so much more convenient no one wants to have records anymore. Can listen so in your, could you listen in your car there, back then or not quite? Early, like, it's like saying, yes, you could buy an Apple Mac computer in 1989, yeah, yeah. but how much was it? Yeah. $5,000, you know what I mean? So, so, like, you could have portable CD players then. And, like, they came along quickly yeah. in the 90s, Walkman, yeah. Discmans and stuff like that, right after the Walkman. But they weren't, like, really a big thing in cars until more through the 90s. But the, the at-home units, you know? And then making it easier to take them somewhere or have the disc man if you if you had that early on um but people replaced their music collections they rebought everything yeah. it's like dvds versus blu-ray exactly. i feel like yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. but 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 dvd it went from dvds to like streaming digital video yeah, way very too fast quick, you know, very you know quick, like yeah. we had 10 years where everyone rebought their entire music collection oh, dude the amount of money that was made from cd pre-digital in that decade dude i can't even like Did record not, stores just switch to CDs? Is that oh what yeah, happened? They, yeah. You, like, you didn't have a choice. I mean, I mean, you have to follow the trends of yeah. what's happening. Like, if if vinyl continues to get too expensive, like it has been from a lot of these major labels, people are, are going to go back. Like, people that want to buy a physical format, even though vinyl, I think, is the like the apex physical format. Yeah, the art's big. The lyrics are big. You get all this yeah, awesome packaging. Exactly. You're part of the thing of pl- the music happening. But if it's too expensive, people are gonna wa- that want physical media are gonna go back to CDs because yeah. they're affordable. If that happens, we need to carry a bunch. You know, yeah, you got to follow what what people want. Yeah, or like 
you know, it's, you're not going to last kind yeah. of thing, which I think was a problem that a lot of stores had, um, at, you know, switching from vinyl to CDs, maybe at that time, like some of them didn't want to follow the trend or they thought it was, they thought it was going to be lame, like eight tracks or whatever. And like tapes helped kind of kill vinyl a little bit, but CDs was what really put the nail in the car. Yeah. Cassettes were a very short amount of time. Well, like how eight did... tracks were a very, very short amount of time. And then cassettes were popular. Um, this is like 80s, 90s. 80s, like... Yeah. 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 And early 80s, 70s tapes kind of picked up. Um, but was it to the extent of like Not you said, like I'm going to switch my music exactly. collection? And what I didn't no. get to that. And a lot of people just dubbed their records. Okay. Everyone had a tape deck hooked up to their turntable, and if they wanted a tape of their record, they buy the record and dub it on tape. Right. It's easy to do it yourself. One side, one side. You know, well, two sides, it, two sides. Then you're your done. music's mobile, yep, right? Exactly. If you want the Walkman, or I'm sure CDs they had were cassette much, players yep. and stuff. CDs yeah. were much more difficult to do that. Required a lot more specialized equipment and a little bit more knowledge to like do that with a CD. Like most yeah. people still don't know that you could do that with CDs, you know, that you can like write a CD in real time with a CD burning unit. You know, they weren't popular. Um, so, so that's why everyone just like rebought all their stuff and put their records in the basement. And that's why there's so many moldy records or mildewy stinky records is because yeah. people just put them in the basement. They didn't even want them around anymore. They yeah. were a pain in the butt to carry around, you know? So, so that golden period, man, of like that decade, Incredible. So, like, stores really, really grew that and absolutely hit a brick wall. Like, I remember the day that our IT guy at the distributor came out and was like, he's like, oh, the iTunes Music Store launched. I just bought some MP3s. And, like, we had to be involved in that because we had to be part of delivering content to that as a distributor for the record labels. Uh, So we were part of, like, that early on, like, all right, well, we need to make sure we're part of that marketplace. We need to deliver the digital content. So, like... A close buddy of mine was in that department, like the IT department. And I distinctly remember that day, like early on, and me being like, why is anyone paying for MP3s? Like, why is anyone paying? (laughs) Why aren't people just like buying the CDs then or whatever, you know, which like a lot of people then that downloaded music legally, you know, like that's that was everyone's mentality, a lot of people's mentality. But as we see now in this world we live in 20 years later, people like... With with streaming services, of course, like over the last couple decade or like decade or so, becoming so popular, um, like that's what convenience turned into. So like a lot of stores had this like dark time of like, what do we do? People are buying less CDs. Nobody's buying vinyl. You know, in the the whatever the early 2000, 2000 to two thousand ten kind of time, nobody's buying vinyl. No one wants to like be even wants physical media. Everyone's so excited about easy, portable digital yeah. media, putting stuff on their iPods. iPhones hadn't quite come out yet. I don't think, um, you know, so it was like, it was like a weird dark time there. I'm glad I got to be there before physical media like died. Cause there was a period there where we're like, no one's, no one's buying physical media anymore. It's just not happening. Records are like, no one thought records were coming back. iTunes just took over. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. iTunes took over and like a lot of e-music was a really big one early on. That was like illegal. I think I was still in high school when e-music came out. Actually, that was like a subscription that that's like early music subscription service where you had access to like a large catalog. Of music. That's like basically what Spotify kind of is now. Yeah. E-music was a big part of it early on, stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah, there was a dark period there where, like, when it finally, like, got its claws in, like, digital finally got its claws in, there was just nobody buying physical media. Um, but that was right when I ingeniously decided I wanted to start 
I saw all these other guys running record labels and I thought it looked really cool. Like this was a great idea, like putting out music. This is awesome. I always wanted to, I always wanted to work for a record label, which I technically was doing now after being in the touring band. I want to, I want to do my own. I want to put out some CDs. So I started putting out just like CDs for a couple buddies bands. And then like my band I was in at the time. And then like around 2006, I was still into vinyl this whole time. And like this place carried vinyl, which was cool. And so I got to talk to these dudes that were releasing albums on vinyl because they were part of our distributed labels. So I got to learn about making records, There you go. which was sick. Like that was a whole nother world of like what you had to do to get records made. Cause that wasn't like regular knowledge anymore, you know, like outside of like the manufacturing industry. So I found some releases that, were distributed by labels that we, or that were put out by labels that we distributed. And I just hit them up and was like, Hey, you never did vinyl for this CD. It sold tens of thousands of copies. Like, can I license the rights from you to like do a vinyl pressing? Um, and they just like agreed to it cause they didn't care. Like nobody cared at that time. <laughs> and so like in 2006, 2007, I put out like my first vinyl release for this band called the Appleseed Cast, which was which was kind of like an emo-y post-rock band that was very popular and very influential. Um, so I did like the first vinyl release for this two, two album set that they did. And we did it as like a triple LP. My first vinyl release is a triple LP. Like The Clash, like like that, that, that album? Do you know about that? Is one? that is that a big deluxe like multi album set too? Yeah, down in like South America, there's like some history on the Clash that my oh, yeah? old roommate was saying. I, I forget which, it, I I forget what the name of the album is. I think it's like Sandinista yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They whoever they were assigned to, mm-hmm. like they said they had this huge album. They're like, we need a triple like LP, or maybe it was even a double. And the mm-hmm. the record label was like, no, no, no. We just want like a single. Sure. And. Well, they, they just said, screw you. And then they like went down to South America and like had them like get this like triple LP, it's, like do it their way. It yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. My, my roommate like visited South America like a couple years ago and like ended up like finding this like super rare version no of this triple LP. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Super cool, cool story. But anyways, triple LPs yeah. are just really rare. Yeah. That's yeah. Why no. I was like, <laughs> and, and it was all influenced by this Rush album I found at, at it, at a thrift store that was the first three Rush albums as a triple LP That's set. Sweet. And I was like, we should That's do it as so a triple cool. LP set like that. Um, so that was me starting. We sold a thousand copies of that in like six weeks. And I was, that was my fourth release as a label. A my thousand? first vinyl. Yeah. In 2006 or 2007, when like people didn't care about vinyl, the vinyl market wasn't, it didn't exist. I was like, I was like, I'm going to take, it's going to take years to recoup on this. I'm going to lose. Yeah. Why would you make a thousand? Copies? I was 21 years old. Oh my god. Well, gosh. the CDs had sold a lot. This band in the in, in like the in the indie music scene was huge. Appleseed Cast was hugely popular, um, but if I did less than a thousand, like the price per unit was like terrible. Yeah, I know so that I from like, selling shirts for yeah. my podcast. Yeah, 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 the yeah. Same way, like I was so tempted to keep going more, but I'm like, I don't think I have a fan base yeah. for <laughs> right, this. Right, like right. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like that. With, like with manufacturing anything, like the, the higher volume, the lower, the better the price break. Yeah. So I was like, screw it, we'll just do a thousand, and um. I was sweating hard, like real hard about oh, it. Um, Cause back then that was, that cost a lot of money and uh, sold them all in six weeks. Uh, and that was like, I was like, all right, vinyl, vinyl it is. And, but no, I feel like no one else knew at this point. I mean, exactly. you might've had a hunch, but like, I had a hunch. It was dead. 
It was like it was dead. This was like the be- this was this me realizing crazy. this is me realizing like in 2006 I'm like there's 2006. A, I'm like there's a thing a thing's going to happen. Like I you know it was my 21 year old optimistic brain being like yeah, yeah, a yeah. thing's going to happen. Maybe 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 overly optimistic Absolutely. But still- <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I ended up being somehow right. Yeah. So I reached out to these other record labels and I ended up being able to secure um, a license to work with this band called Me Without You who was kind of like another indie um, indie band um, that was on this label, Tooth and Nail, that had been bought by Universal Music. I want to say so. I um, at the time they they hadn't been bought by Universal actually. So I was working directly with them as an independent label. But another band that was like headlining music festivals and like huge tours and yeah. one of the most highly regarded bands in like this indie scene. Um, and the label didn't care about doing vinyl, so they licensed me the re- and we sold three or four thousand copies of each of their first two records i did them both separately as single lps and sold i mean the initial the initial mail order batch was like 1500 records or something like that had been ordered of like the original four thousand or so that and then we i wholesaled a bunch of them like through my work because i worked for a distributor so my work distributed my stuff to stores so like even though it's a very young label yeah. yeah I had like a, a a channel for stores to get all my records to, and we sold through like the first pressing of those very very quickly, and that just confirmed like all right I just need to keep finding, I just need to keep looking for stuff I like that I want on vinyl, because clearly I'm like picking the right stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I need to keep finding stuff I want on vinyl that has sold a lot of CDs. Yeah. Um, and that ended up kind of being like the the early formula like those were definitely the three most successful releases i did because i kind of started i was like all right i kind of got a fan base now i can do stuff a little weirder i don't have to do as like popular stuff you know so i started finding some new bands that were released that wanted to put out albums and putting out vinyl for those and it just kept like kind of working it shouldn't have but it just like that was the beginning of me running a label it's called gilead media it was named after like some Dark Tower stuff from the Dark Tower books by Stephen King. Yeah. Um, and that was the beginning of me like just deciding, all right, well, I'm just gonna mostly, I'm just gonna keep mostly putting out records because people are excited about buying records. And and how did this conversation go between you and the artist? Like, are you, mm-hmm. you, you said something about a license, like it, like today, like sure. with with records flourishing, like. Mm-hmm. If I went to these same bands, say mm-hmm. I, say I went to the Strokes, I'm like, can I like have your license sure, or whatever? Sure. Like, I'm gonna get denied, right? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. But back then, it was different because no one cared. Exactly. Like, okay. And then, um, what does that mean? Do you get all the profits then? Or? No. Um. So, when with these first couple projects, it was albums released by established record labels like Tooth and Nail that put out these Me Without You albums. Huge label. Uh-huh. They they eventually got bought by Universal Music. It's a Universal label now. Um. So. They're technically like a, a, under a major label now. That's how successful they were in like the nineties and two thousands. Yeah. I just I just emailed them. I just emailed their <laughs> I just emailed someone. I got someone's contact from someone else at work for Tooth and Nail, because we carried Tooth and Nail releases like non-exclusively through our like we distributed some of them just like yeah. as extra stuff. Um so I think someone at work gave me the email for the person that ho- did the wholesale. And I asked that guy for their licensing person, you know. And, oh, my goodness. And That's I, crazy. Yeah, so I just hit him up. And then I emailed the band's management. And I said, hey, I'm pursuing doing this. Is that cool? 
And they're like, yeah, cool. Do it. Like, just involve us in the process and we'll, like, collaborate on the art, the new art that needs to be made because it's never been LP format and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So it was just reaching out to Tooth and Nail and being like, hey, I want to do this. What's your terms? They tell me how much of a licensing fee they want me to pay and then, like, what other type of – normally there's a bunch of, like, royalty stuff involved. But they said just send the band this many copies yeah. and send us some copies and pay this licensing fee and that's all you got to do. So, like, everyone had their, like, own like, – I did a couple other licensing things along the way, too, before I started focusing just on developing new bands, um, which I started kind of, like, focusing more on around, like, the time I did, like, 15 or 16 records. At that point, I was more focused on working on new records. Um, but but everyone just kind of had their separate terms of, like, this, you know, you have the right to do this many copies for this much time for, and you pay this much of a fee. And that was it because nobody cared, like – I did a couple things for this label called Relapse. Um, that's like a, the, one of the biggest metal labels in the world. They're actually owned by Sony Music now too. They're like a they were also bought out, but they were one of the absolute biggest metal labels in the world. And they even like at that time, like they they press everything on vinyl now. Everything they're pressing their whole back catalog on vinyl. Yeah, they do everything <laughs> on vinyl now. But back then, they're like, hey, this is a new developing band that we we don't really want to do vinyl on. Are you interested? Like they were just at that point familiar with what I was doing and asked yeah. me to do it. Um, but yeah, like every, every one of them was just like, here's the terms. And that was, it was really easy. Wow. But these days, yeah, like no one, I, I think the strokes, like their labels owned by universal probably too. Um, there's no way a major label is like giving up any vinyl rights ever again, you know? And, and unless like you're talking about like a big company, like vinyl me, please. You know, like Vinyl Me Please is doing the same. You're familiar with, are you familiar with Vinyl no, no. They're actually based out of Colorado. It's like a vinyl subscription club. They do a lot of exclusive deluxe pressings on color vinyl and okay. stuff like that. Um, they, they'll help like get things that hadn't been pressed on vinyl release, but they're a very, very, very large company. Okay. So like they're able to get, you know, more, more of that stuff. And like, there's a lot of soundtracks. There's some guys that run some soundtrack labels that are able to license some stuff. Um, but but anywhere the label thinks they can make money, like on stroke stuff, you know, yeah, like yeah. they're gonna absolutely do that themselves. But um, but but places like Vinyl Me Please, even though they're a huge, huge company, they're doing the same thing I was back then. Like they're reaching out to the the licensing people and they're negotiating a licensing agreement. It's they just have lawyers involved, yeah. and I did. Yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. So that though. was you're that like was 20 years old doing this. Yeah. Like I was, I was an and absolute, all your buddies are like off to college. Probably. Yeah, I was in it. It was like a terrible idea. It was a really <laughs> bad idea. Um, I just, I just refused to like, not, I refused to like fail. I re yeah. refused. Yeah. So, so now it's been 19 years putting out records. You're still, um, still going for it at this point. I am beginning to wind it down. Yeah. Because 20 years, 19 years is a long time. It's been half, I'm 40, so that's half my life almost. Um, it takes up a lot of work. It's outside of like getting to work with, like deal with and talk with really cool artists doing amazing yeah. stuff. The work is just a pain. It's I mean, it's stressful. so much back and forth, I feel like. And like something's always, want, yep, like, yeah. something's always messed up. Yeah. There's always someone, a customer, like a, a customer complaining about something that's not really that big of a deal. Mail order, you know, mail order people complaining about something. And like most people are very, 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 very cool. Yeah. But all these little negative experiences just stacked one on top of yeah. each other. And after 19 years, like a lot of the magic of getting a pallet of records, I don't look at it and be like, oh my God dude sick <laughs> it's like all right 
You're like, this is going to take a lot of now time. Now we got to ship a thousand orders. Yeah. And then I have to do all the wholesale <laughs> shipments. And then I got to do this. And then I got to deliver some to our vet, our retail distributor. And then I got to, once we sell them all, I got to figure out the royalties and when we break even and when we do this. And yeah, like, it's, it's just, it's, it's a lot. I mean, yeah. And you, you have two record stores. So exactly. it's not, it's not exactly yep. your primary focus. Yep. Yeah. And like, even though the label was like quite successful, like I've, I've had over a dozen releases covered like on NPR like even though it's like really obtuse, like kind of extreme music, a lot of extreme metal stuff. Um, like very lucky to have a lot of like over the last 19 years, have a lot of this stuff, get a lot of press coverage and a lot of attention. Um, it's just the, I started it just to be a hobby and like be real punk about it and not have it be a business and not have it like influence too much of like, I didn't want to have to be like, well, we got to work with that band because that one's going to sell a lot of records, but I like this record better, even though it's going to sell 300 copies and not 3000. Yeah. I didn't want to have to like, like, like tell that band, no, the 300 copies band because I like that record. So like, I tried to never like have the label be too business minded, um, which is probably like a problem for early on when I sold those thousand records in six weeks. I could have made another $5,000 if I would have charged five more dollars a record, which would have been a reasonable price for it. But I didn't because I thought keeping it low price and punk minded was the cool thing to do. Yeah. When really I could have actually made it a lot easier to run a record label the last 19 years. And it could have probably been a lot less stressful. And I never had staff really outside of some people helping with mail order until we had the record store. And then like it's so it was, it's, it's a lot. Uh, but the record stores are very busy. The record stores are flourishing. There's like five full-time people that work here between the two. Yeah. So it's very much like, all right, this, I don't have a passion for that anymore. I have a passion for this. I can come here and treat it like I understand this is my job I'm responsible for. <laughs> and this is a business that needs to make money. Yeah. And these people need to be paid. And I'm content and cool and happy running this as a business that like has this really like it's a helps the community because people have a place to buy records and meet people and do cool stuff. And the staff here have like a fulfilling place where they can come work and we can make some money and I can like pay my mortgage. (laughs) I'm cool doing that with the record store. So that's why I'm kind of like setting the label to the side so that the next 20 years can be just doing my focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. Have this be the career kind of thing. No, that's really cool. I think it's so cool that like you're kind of doing what you always wanted to do too. I had I had everything on the list. Yeah, like and granted, it was like 17 year old Adam's list, but I'm happy and it worked. You know, it's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not in every case, but it is. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, a lot of sacrifice. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't have kids. Um, you know, like I don't have a a big family. I am married. My wife and I are married. She's self employed as well. Like, we're lucky that we both get to do what we want to do. Um, I don't go on a lot of vacations. You know, like, we don't, we don't, we sacrifice, like, a lot to be able to do what we want to do yeah. on a daily basis. You know, it's it's tough. Like, it's, I see all my Facebook friends going to, you know, going to all these island trips, beach trips, Hawaii trips. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I like there's there's days, dude. Like I just I'm like I just should have worked a regular job, man. Like I just should have gotten a regular job. Yeah. I would have made so much money. I have so many applicable skills. 
they wouldn't even care that I didn't go to college because I've done so much successful stuff. You know, like yeah. it'd be so easy to get a job like with the skills I have. But I just, at the end of the day, like I have this that I built. So cool, you know. So like it, that means that that means a lot. It does so. So yeah, I mean, uh, I guess help me fill fill in the blanks here. Like mm-hmm. 2016. Or is that 20? Yeah, 2016. 2016. Eroding yes. wins. Yeah, so the like. the record, so eroding wins actually started in 2015 as an online store. Okay. Because at that time, like, my record label was carrying stuff from other labels, to you know, just to encourage people to come to my website and buy stuff. Uh-huh. And I was carrying so much stuff that I was like, I need to, like, split. Like, I, I wanted the, the online store to be its own thing. So that the record label operated separately. Yeah. Its own business. So... Eroding Winds started to like buy that inventory from the label and take that and like launch as an online store itself. All of the non-label release stuff, which was probably like, I don't know, like 700 titles, like a lot back then, but compared to now, like how much stuff we have, like not even whatever. Um, And it was all like a lot of obscure underground stuff, metal and punk and rap and like hard to find stuff. I'd import a lot of things from like European record labels that didn't have a lot of distribution over here. So I found this like niche thing of like record store day had started around like 2010 or whatever, 2011. So so that's when I was like, once record store day thing happened and I was like, all right, vinyls, like I was right. Vinyls going, I need to go all (laughs) in on this. I need to like absolutely like be at. So that's when my label became like almost exclusively vinyl. And I started carrying all this vinyl in my online store and stuff like that. Um, so that's when I like I like I said I split off Eroding Winds in 2015 became its own separate business doing its own thing um and then by I was out of like working out of like a studio um where I used to work like in the in the gap after I left the music distributor I managed a screen printing shop here in town printing t-shirts um so I uh And you moved back to Oshkosh? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I too I like I eventually left Ohio. They let me work from home in Wisconsin which was sick. I moved back here because my wife was going to school at UWO, well, girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, but we were like, all right, this serious relationship. Right, I'm going to try to move right. back. I convinced them to let me work from home in Wisconsin, which is awesome. Um, eventually just left that job. It just it was time to like do something else. And I wanted to work something locally. Um, so that's when I started working at the screen printing shop. So I did that for years and years and years. So I had a studio there with all of my online store stuff. When I quit working at the screen print screen printing shop in 2015, um, I needed I needed more space for the online store, so that's when I started renting the the spot over on South Main, where you, that eventually became a record store. Yeah. But then it was just a warehouse shipping office. No for, way. For the really? Store. So it I was, was over, just because you didn't have enough space. Yeah. For all the records, yeah. It was like seven right? or eight months that I was over there, where it wasn't a record store. It was just like an office and like shipping center. So was it just one day you just had an idea? Like, what if I just open yeah. the doors? Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, well, we're paying rent. Like, and I know a lot of people that have records that they would probably sell us. And we have a lot of records here already. Like, and you had a decent location. Like, yeah, yeah it was off the main drag a little bit. But it was bit, cute. And it, it was, was cool. And it was cozy. Yeah. Like, it was an inviting place. It wasn't just like some dumpy store, you know? It was like a, had all that character. Um, so I was like, why don't we just build some record bins and put a counter in here? We're That's here all so day anyway. Awesome. Like, and then we can just we're if someone comes in we're here we're already shipping records or doing stuff um so that was like the beginning of the shop was just like well we're here anyway and there's yeah. records here anyway wow yeah so that was really the beginning of eroding winds was like becoming its own online store 
launching as that and needing a place to be. Uh-huh. So, and the name, how did how did you stumble upon that? Okay, so it was a very I'm really I have a really hard time naming stuff. But so 2015, I that was 8 9 years ago. So early 30s. I was seeing a lot of people my age. The common theme for people my age in the early 30s is life's wearing you down. You're giving up on things that you love and just like falling into like the grind of daily life. Yeah. Bands, no one doing, no one playing music anymore. People not doing art anymore. Um, just not doing the create, like a lot of people around that age, just not doing the creative stuff that they love. So it's a reference. This is, this is even more dramatic than the band name loves this. <laughs> so it's a reference to the external factors in life that wear away at your passions and the things you love and the things that make you feel fulfilled, art, music, etc. Sports, exercise, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a reference to those external factors, like wearing away and being like, you know what? No, fuck you. We're not going to do that. So that's, that's kind of, that's, that was the influence name, the eroding winds that like try to try to destroy you basically. And like put you into the, the formula and the eroding wind is like the it's what's trying to wear you down. The, like whatever it's, that external it, thing. Exactly. Is, yeah. The external factors of life, you know, you're having a family. Well, you're not going on tour with your band anymore. <laughs> you have to, you have responsibilities you signed up for. Yeah. You have to work. You have to do this. You have to do this. You, you can't spend a hundred dollars on a bunch of paint and a canvas and do paintings now, you know, yeah. you can't, it's a lot of stuff like that. And like, granted, there are people that still do that. Um, and there are people that are obviously like perfectly happy as you'll find in the next, 10 years of your life, you'll yeah. be watching, you're going to watch a lot of your friends get married and have kids and they're happy with that and they're content with that. That life ain't for me though. And I know that there's people out there that wish they were still playing in the band. Yeah. And like, it's why you see so many bands 20 years after they broke up reuniting, yeah. doing reunion stuff. Strokes is a great example. Yeah. What they ha- took a 10 year hiatus or something. And a lot yeah. of those dudes, like what do, what do you think happens in that 20 year period where they weren't a band, where, yeah. where bands aren't a band? Someone had a kid few of them had kids they all grew up they all went to college now they ain't got no kids and they can play music again you know what i mean like it, this that's a it's a very very common cycle that i see happen mm. a lot you know um with a lot of, a lot of people like kids go off to college and people start playing music again yeah um so yeah it's a reference to all these external factors in life that that erode what you love yeah and and wear you down no i like that that's a really cool so, name thanks man yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I've thought of a hundred thousand better record store names in the last eight years, but I can't, I can't change it now. It's too late, you know? So no, no, I, I, I'm, I think that's great. I thanks. It's just tough explaining it to people. Cause it's like, all right, here we go. No, it's not just like a <laughs> 20 second yeah, thing. You it's know? not from a band yeah, like most no. record stores. You know? my, my, my podcast is the same way. And yeah, well, yeah. So what's, I was going to ask you what the, what the name of the podcast is all about. Yeah. I, it was like I was sitting there. So I'm, I'm first year in my PhD now. Mm-hmm. Junior. So what year, are you going to? What are you going for your PhD for? Immunology. Okay. So awesome. Study, oh, that's right. You mentioned that in email. Study right, the yeah. immune system. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um. So junior year, I'm at UW Madison. I'm in, I'm in I'm in this research lab that I'm like just signed up for. I I just loved being in lab doing research. Mm-hmm. Being mm-hmm. on that cutting edge was just so cool. And I was just sitting. Um during lunch, like listening to a podcast. And one day I just, I just, I was like, 
you know what? Like I paused it and I was like, I love conversation. And I, I just felt like I could never, my like conversation, like, could never be quenched like i could never have enough of it sure, and sure i'm like sure. what if i just like made my own podcast mm-hmm. and i like these thoughts were just kind of turning in my head the next couple of days and i was like going up in the elevator to work one day and i was like i knew i wanted it to be about like how a lot of times now like it is related to the times for me too like people now like will snapchat or they'll text but they, it's never a lot of my generation, it's not over the phone. It's it's micro dosing interactions. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I, something about this was just yeah. so good. This face to face, and I, mm-hmm. I knew there was just a certain layer to it that could never be matched by texting or whatever. Oh, for sure. And I, I it, the the name kind of just like refers to conversation. And when you get like when you kind of get that like epiphany talking to someone, you know, like you sit someone down and you're like, well, what do you think of this? Cause I don't really understand it. And they mm-hmm, say mm-hmm. it and some, sometimes it just like, it's that one little thing, that one sentence, that one word that just clicks in your head. Sure. And it's, it's just like, it, it, it becomes intuition in a way, you know, mm-hmm. like you knew it the whole time, but it was, it was right in front of your face, but it took someone else saying it to you to really be like, Oh, of course. Sure. 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 And Those the flying reali- yeah, the, realizations that only come from having a conversation exactly yeah. that you don't get over text mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the flying comes in is just like the words are in the air flying sure, at your face sure. and the intuitions like being delivered. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I like that. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's, that's kind of like the birth of it. Very cool. Yeah. I like, I know, I know just what you're talking about. Like when you have, when you're deep in it, I, I had a, I had a buddy that we used to hang out a lot. Um, he'd, he'd always, we were total night owls. So he'd come over and we'd be playing video games until like five in the morning, like on console together on one couch, not on, not on like headsets. Like yeah, I do yeah, now, you know, yeah. and, uh, just, just be like shooting the shit and having those like 3am sort of like, Oh yeah. You know, like kind of, kind of conversations. That was, yeah. Cause that's, I, I think back on my life and that's, it's a lot of times where I, I, I get those epiphanies that are sometimes life changing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. also just, I don't know. They're just, they're just great times. I feel my happiest. It, like sometimes yeah. like during the conversation and even after I just feel like so motivated and I think even to hear a story like that is just like super motivating. Awesome, like man. it's just like yeah. eroding winds. I think the title, the name of it really speaks to it because even now, you know, my friends are graduated and it's yeah. like already oh, yeah. I'm seeing our, our, our people kind of figuring for lack of a better word like figuring their shit out or are they mm-hmm. you know moving back in at home and like still trying to like you know are they pursuing something creatively or are they just kind of like taking it day Floating by day life, yeah. yeah and it's just like i don't know i just yeah because yeah. how so how old are you now you're 20 early 20s 23 something 22 like that? 22 yeah. yeah yeah i mean there's uh, i'm just not like a boomer next like <laughs> the next like seven eight years like you're gonna a, lot, see a lot of changes, stuff. man. Yeah. A lot of changes. Um Yeah. It's it's kind of it's it's crazy. But it's this the your inspiration for doing the podcast and the the um the the, the feeling you explain that inspires that. Um yeah, I mean that's that's like the that's the little spark you gotta like hold on to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing I'm talking about. Like when you when you finish with your PhD and I don't know if you got whatever. We don't have to talk about it. if you have student loans, but a lot of people do, and a lot of you know you got to figure out what you're going to do for a career and where you're going to go, and now you got to move and do this and do that and worry about how you're, that's going to affect personal relationships. Like that's all the stuff I'm talking about. Which is like you're as an adult, obviously, like 
it's your responsibility. You got to do it. Yeah. But you got to make sure you hold on to the little spark too. You know, like that's, that's like the big thing is, um, it's, it's easy to lose it. Yeah. It's easy for the little ember to burn out in the dark room. You know, like it's, it's very, very, very easy. And like, there's a lot of days when I've been like, we're out. I'm done. With, I'm done. I'm sick of it. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A lot of those days. It's, it's easy to, it's easy to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, even going to Colorado, you know, it's like, that's big. I think about this. I'm like, it's not, a, podcast, not an hour and like, a half drive away from well, home. Yeah. I'm in Madison. I know uh-huh. all these people. Mm-hmm. I can, it, the guests are endless. Cause I just bring on all my friends sure. and like, if, if if I brought on all my friends, I always thought I was like, okay, through this person, I can probably, if so, someone's got to be interested that mm-hmm. I, through a mutual friend mm-hmm. and I come out to Colorado and it's like, I mean, yeah, the first few weeks I didn't do anything because I didn't know anyone to ask mm-hmm. to come on, but like slowly. Did like, you know people in Colorado before you went out there? Or you just went I knew out there a couple people. I, th- so, so that you're, you're right yeah. where I was when I went to Ohio. Yeah. It's the same feeling. I mean, it was, I, I'm going here for this thing. I know two. I know the person that interviewed me and the person that helped me get an apartment. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Know? I didn't have a lot. And yeah, yeah. I didn't have any family out there or anything. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'm coming home now on winter break, and like, I'm like, you know, this, this is. I love this time because it's the time I can like reflect. Yeah, absolutely. On not only my career path but also this creative outlet. Sure. And, I got all these goals I want to get. I think I'm going to try to bring on professors and stuff because awesome. I'm getting That's a great idea talking to the professors and faculty. Get a lot now of unique and, perspective and yeah, life experiences. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. But yeah, I mean, I guess like getting back to the record store, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it, it took off within those next few years. Mm-hmm. I think the next big event that comes to mind this, I'm sure like, you know, I had to bring it up is just like the pandemic. Like, sure. I mean, I, I don't, I, Anyone listening to this, you know, I don't need to tell you that small business died during the pandemic. I mean, was, you, you had those big corporations that the rules mean, yeah, didn't apply to them. They yeah, they went, they, they went, I mean, yeah. And then they went, they, they could go negative on sales. It yep. didn't matter. Yep. Like they're they, sitting on so much money yeah, that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. I mean, you and guys they got millions and dollars, millions of dollars from the government to like in all the, you know, the, the programs, the pay, pay check protection programs and SBA disaster loans and all that stuff, yeah. like, which, which me and a lot of other businesses definitely took advantage of. Yeah. But we, it was a far cry from millions of dollars. I'll tell you. Like yeah. It, it yeah. was based on how much payroll you had and a couple other like small financial factors, which for local businesses is not a lot. Yeah. And that is absolutely engineered to benefit Walmarts and the like that have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand yeah. employees. I don't even know. I don't even know how to determine um, hundreds of thousands of employees. So of course they're going to get a ton of money for all the payroll that they have and all of the money that they made historically. You know, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty. It was pretty. You know, I got, I got less than thirty thousand dollars for not making money for being because I, I, I stayed closed extra long. Yeah. Like there was a required period. And I remember that too. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was really cool because I, just to, a lot, of people, did, a lot of people didn't think it was very cool. Plus, I mean, yeah. you're, you're yeah. in Oshkosh. Yeah. It is borderline red, you know, like people were done, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, just, and, and, and like granted, yes, the population density is much lesser. We don't have people on public transit here. I, I understood why people didn't think it was as big of a deal here for a long time. Yeah. Right. But on top of not wanting my customers to get sick, I also have like severe asthma. So early COVID, 
really hitting people with asthma and stuff hard, oh, as yeah. you know. This is what I'm studying. This is yeah, your, yeah. This <laughs> thing, yeah. Um, that's I stayed closed like an extra three, two, three months, something like that. Just because like whenever there was a flare up, I'm like, we're not opening. And I told everyone that worked here. I'm like, if you want to take used records home and price them, here's the login for Discogs. Here's a spread. You know, here's a laptop. You can like, I will give you whatever you need to work from home if you want to do that. So some people wanted to do that. And I whenever there was like a flare up of COVID cases until vaccines started coming out, I was like, yeah, not worth any of us. It, if it's not a big deal. Oh, well, if it's a big deal and uh, I get very sick and can't breathe because I already have to use two inhalers every day yeah. on a normal day, um, you know, like I've, you saw, you saw, like I'm wearing yeah. the mask now because yeah. I, I know for a fact, but even if it's not COVID this weekend, it's Christmas weekend, everyone's getting sick. Oh, it's there's, a new, there's always going, a new bug. There's always something. Yeah. There's yeah. always a bad cold, whatever. I'm in charge of five people's full-time income. Yeah. I'm going to wear a mask when everyone's getting sick. Yeah. I don't, I cannot get sick. Uh, and thankfully I don't very often. And when I got COVID physically, it wasn't very bad and it was very late. Like it took a year and a half for me to get COVID Were at you all. vaxxed at that point? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. that all helps. three, yeah. all three rounds yeah. or whatever it was. And you know, it was so COVID severity seemed, you know, as I think a lot of people expected, over time, the strains kind of cooled off. Seemed less severe. Yeah. I'm sorry. In terms of no their, um, you know, how they affected people. So luckily it was, and obviously being different with everyone, it was a total crapshoot anyway. Like my dad, my dad died, of course, like months after. So they didn't say he died from COVID, but um, it, it put his, it put him into complete kidney failure when he had got COVID. He was in the hospital for 20 days. He should not have lived. I have no idea how he lived. Um, put him in complete kidney failure, and he was on kidney dialysis for nine months. Jeez. Like he he and, and then one day he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, You know what that means, right? And he goes, Yeah. And I said, Are you ready for that? And he goes, Yeah. And like he just chose, like that was his time. He's like, yeah. I but but COVID made that happen. Yeah. So even though he called renal failure on his death certificate, COVID put him into renal failure. I mean, yeah, you know what, what, I mean? what what kicked off <laughs> exactly. that whole yeah. series of events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So between his what happened with him and and my um you know pre-existing conditions like why i, I i'm not going to sit down here just to make an extra few thousand dollars no. for over a couple months just to maybe die yeah like what's the point then you know no. so i don't remember how we got oh yeah how to, how it affected business that's right yeah. that's how we got on this um so thankfully we already had all of our new vinyl inventory and most of our used vinyl on Discogs. Like end of 2019, I just decided, you know what? Let's put everything on Discogs and we'll just, that way we're selling stuff online too. It's a small market here. We were just the Oshkosh store at that time. Exclusive company was still open. So our sales were definitely like not what they are today. And I was like, you know what? Let's just start putting everything on Discogs. And if we sell stuff on Discogs, sweet, it's more money. And Discogs actually started going very well. And then COVID hit. Right as we got all of our inventory on Discogs already, like weeks after we finished putting all of our inventory wow. on and every record store in the country was closed. Yeah. So that means everyone in Oakland and Long Island and Seattle and Portland, all these places where people love buying records and there's a lot of great record stores. None of them had their, most of them did not have any of their stuff on online um, because they were so busy locally that they just didn't need to sell online especially their used vinyl, and we did. 
Discogs, online sales. Getting our stuff up there saved our ass in 2020. <laughs> we had like a normal-ish sales year no just way. because of Discogs. Because you were, you were ahead of all those other big it, companies, but of, they just didn't have an online platform. They had online wow. stores. They were all established record stores. Huh. You know, more like how we are now. Yeah. Um, they were all established record stores, very, very busy locally, so they didn't sell on Discogs. And we magically, thankfully, had like all our stuff together in time. Wow. So, so that like absolutely saved our ass. And then we got like, you know, like I said, a pittance of like handout stuff from the government. One of yeah. them is a loan that we still have to pay back. And then a, a handful of like smaller, um, grants that were and loans forgiven loans uh but we i still have to pay back like a twenty thousand dollar disaster loan that i don't think they're ever going to forgive any of those for anybody um it's just the payday protection ones that got forgiven which all that was helpful yeah and all that got like dispensed out to all that got used for stuff (laughs) it was to pay for staff to to get you know get some money during covid time and like get some inventory keep the store going pay rent that was pretty much it just like paying rent and paying some payroll for staff you know Um, but it was, it was super scary. Uh, I know like a lot of businesses, even if they survived through that year, it was really the years following, right? It just put people over the edge. It's like, dude, I can't, I don't care. Like it was, it's, it was already stressful running a record store or any type of small business, you know? I mean, that just serves, puts in a tremendous Mm -hmm. curveball into Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the people that were like, kind of like COVID deniers or whatever. Yeah. they're, They're right it did put an unbelievable strain on small businesses and it was unbelievably unfair to make small businesses close while letting huge chains operate on some capacity. But of course money runs our whole political system. So this is where this is the, this is the system we're in. We all, everyone decided we're going in on this type of capitalism and that's it. That doesn't mean, I don't know. I'm you got to play the game. That, there's no other yeah. way to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's, yep. it's the, the cards yeah. we're all dealt. But, but, but again, I chose to stay closed even longer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I was, I was, I was happy to do like what's good for everyone. And I know a lot of people that didn't do too hot during COVID. Thankfully, like my personal life is like, Dude, I played so much Warzone. I, <laughs> I, dude, our whole friend group, we had like 20 people in Discord at a time. We had like mo- three different channels of game. Like pe- these, these people are playing Overwatch. These people are playing Warzone. They're playing Fortnite. These people are just like chilling, doing work. And we're like streaming. Everyone's watching people stream to them. Other game, Dude, it was amazing. <laughs> we had like the, the sickest group of people just chilling, like, because I know a bunch of people that still work in the music industry. So all of us were working from home and it was just awesome. Like I personally like thrived during COVID time, not having to like go anywhere. Yeah. I fucking loved it. So you were that doing all right. Over Dude. COVID. Oh, mentally good. my mental during COVID time. Honestly, <laughs> Which I a lot like, of people can't say I, That's me and my wife are like, we don't do a lot of stuff socially. We don't go out. Like we missed going out to eat. Of course yeah. everyone did. Yeah. It's fun. Um, but dude, like the social aspect of it, all our friends were there. Yeah. We'd like, sh- we'd like video stream with each other while playing games together. Like we did all right. Like That's we found awesome. like a little world where it was all right. So even though it's the business stuff was very stressful, at least I had like my personal life was like, dude, this is 
sick. Yeah, that's awesome. I I really liked that part of it. I hate working. I like I don't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to go to work. It was great not going to work. But if, if you're gonna stressful. do something, I mean, exactly. Yeah, that's this exactly is, this is that's yeah. exactly the thing. Like people people always talk like talk about their dream job. You know, like what's your dream job or this is my dream job, whatever. It's like, dude, I don't dream of going to work. This is not the dream. Running a record store still kind of sucks because it's still work, even though it's awesome and it's stuff I love. It's still work. This isn't what I dream of doing. I dream of being at the cabin with my dog in the woods where I don't get cell reception and we go out on the kayak. Yeah. That's what I, that's the dream. Similar dream. Yeah, exactly. I have a a dream job too. I think, you know, one day run my own lab and do that. But at the end of the day, like it's still work, man. And and let me tell you, when you're the one writing the paychecks, it's a lot less fun. It's a lot less of a dream. (laughs) You know, when when you're not just getting the paycheck, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm sure when you were, when you were just, you know, using that as simply a storage space, like, mm-hmm. and you were the only one who needed to fund, like, it was a lot of ways, like, you're just like, well, if it fails, whatever, it's probably, exactly. on, it's on exactly. me and yep. we'll just move on. But like, yep. once you get to this point, like, mm-hmm. you better bet your ass it succeeds. Yeah. Like, yeah. otherwise you're going to yep. have to lay off all those, even if it is what, five workers. I mean, that's five lives that are exactly. changed because exactly. of you, you and know, a bunch, like, a bunch of them have partners and yeah. whatever, you know, and other responsibilities in their life. And like. I'm responsible for yeah. making sure that they have the tools they need to help this business run. Yeah. You know? And yeah, like that's, that's managing the money and all that stuff, the finances of inventory and ordering new releases and buying used collections, making sure we're making money on that stuff. Like that's all whatever. Like that, that stuff is like a background process in my brain at this point. Like I'm so used to all of that, but the stressful thing is like making sure that there's always going to be the money for payroll, making yeah. sure that the the business finances, the big global, the big picture stuff of it is always going to be healthy so that the people that are like selling me their time in life to be a part of it um, are able to also are able to live yeah. like that's that's the most important and most stressful part for sure. Because all this other stuff, like I've been doing this since I was 17. Yeah. This is all just, I, I just, I know what to do. I mean, I'm, you could do it in your sleep. Literally. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, but it's also rewarding to like have all these people that like want to be involved um, and want to spend that much time here and are happy yeah. doing it. That's gotta be cool. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. And like the fact that, you know, like the, the, the both assistant managers and one of the managers have been here for since 2019 and 2021, like people don't quit. Yeah. Like, so clearly I know I'm I'm a handful to be around sometimes and deal with, especially like the managers that get the brunt of my like, I need you to take care of this. And while they're doing that, I'm like, I need you to take care of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, they're getting like all my, 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 my mania of like requires things that need to be done. But, um, but, but we keep it healthy enough of an environment that people are like happy doing it still. Um, and then the, the guy that manages the Appleton store is like an old friend of mine that I met while I was working at Exclus Company, um, that we've known each other for 22 years, okay. something like that, you know? So, like, we've known each other so long that, like, when I was going to open that store, he hit me up. He's like, I really want to quit my job. I really want to do – I need to do something I care about. He's like, what do you think? And I was like – we sat down and we talked about it. I was like, I'm like, dude, I'm not paying you anywhere near what you're going to pay. There's not money in the record business for our side of it. You know, yeah. if you're not a major record label that owns the rights to a bunch of music, you ain't making money. Um, but I'll do what we can. And I think you're going to love it. 
yeah. you know, kind of thing. And he's been like, you know, that was a year and a half ago. And so it's, it's awesome having like such a dedicated group of people that like really care about music and also care about helping people find new stuff that they like or old things that they know they love, you know? Yeah. That's like the most fun. That's like, that's all the positive energy of like doing this that offsets all the stress is like the positive interactions with people that are excited about music. I don't care. I like people think about like the record store guys are judging you. No, no, no. A good record store will not, you know, like when you were a kid and you bought some synth pop record and then I lent you that pet shop boys album, you know, like, like that's what the real record stores do is they're like, Oh, you, 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 you're looking for something. Well here, I know you buy this, here's this, this, and this. I don't have to like any of that stuff. Yeah. I love Pet Shop Boys. I don't have to, but you know, when you're recommending stuff to a customer, you don't have to like it. You just need to know what relates to what someone already likes. And like, you need to be interested in their passion for music and like helping that thrive and grow, you know, like that's, that's, that positive is so great that that's what offsets. Like, am I buying groceries today? You know, or, or can I not, you know, it, it, it helps balance all that out for sure. So, yeah, I guess speaking a little more broadly to eroding winds, like what, I guess as, as like a business person, like, what do you, what are you trying to like, or hope to like deliver to, to a customer, you know, like what, what would you say your main, your main goal is? Sure. The main, the main goal, I mean, really is making sure people can like come in here and find something that they care about. And if they're looking for to like build a collection for the first time, there's cool, affordable copies. We're not charging yeah. like antique mall price or whatever for for stuff. People can come in here and find like fairly priced records or a good selection of new stuff. Just like happy happiness, really. Like at the end of the day, because like what I tell people when they start working here is outside of holiday time, there's two reasons people come to the record store. They're having a good day and they want to buy a record and they want to feel good. They're having a bad day and they want to buy a record and they want to feel better. That's it. It is everyone's job at the record store. I don't care like what funny record shop movie you've seen. It's it's everyone's actual job at the record store to facilitate the goal of either of those two people coming in for either of those objectives. Um, If they're having a bad day, they got to have a better day when they leave. If they're having a good day, it has to stay that way when they leave kind of thing. That's that's like objective number one. Then objective number two is make sure you price a bunch of used records and you're not just sitting on your phone. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you know. So I well, always see your <laughs> yeah. employees doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're sure. great. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so that's, that's, to me, number one objective is positive experience, feeling like the people that hear – are here like care about your interest in music. Like I said, I, if I only carried music that I like, dude, like there would be like, no one would want to shop. Here. It'd be terrible. <laughs> it'd be terrible. No one would want to buy anything here. Um, so, so like, you know, there's, there's tons of stuff here that I don't yeah. like personally, but I know that when someone comes in that buys those things, they're going to like this because other people that buy those things buy this. Yeah. And knowing how to draw that little connection is like the most important thing. Like you have to care about what people like, even if you don't like it, you just have to, you know, there's, there's so much music in here that I, in my high school years, I ragged on kids for, and now I tell people to buy it because (laughs) it doesn't matter what I like. Um, there was, there was a dude in here once that was talking some crap about what another customer was looking at. And 
I I don't drop this directly on customers often, but I had to. I said, hey man, you know what? You know what I always say though? Nobody gives a fuck what you don't like. And like that is like my absolute motto. Like it, it nobody cares what you don't like. It, there's nothing positive about about like talking about what you don't like. No. And like maybe that's me like decades of being chronically online and being like burnt out on like the toxicity of online. Uh, cause that's what thrives on the internet and the algorithms are all based on negativity. Yeah. Reddit's all based on negativity. It's everyone trying to be a jokester and take jabs at people. Instagram's all about people arguing. Facebook, obviously Jesus is so bad with that. Um, nobody, ca- nobody cares no. that that's not like conducive to anything. No, like it's not creating a conversation or a relationship or any of that stuff, which is really like the important, that's what music is supposed to do. Like you go to a live concert and it's all about the relationship. It's all about the feeling and the energy and like having this moment with total strangers. But you all love this one artist. You've got your arms around each other. You're singing along to the same parts. You have no idea who this person is. Yeah. But you both have a beer in your hand and you're both like, dude, this is awesome. We both love this song. We both know all the words. We're both singing along. You know, like that's, that's like what the whole human experience is supposed to be. (laughs) You know, like is is positive interactions not just like arguing about pointless crap that we don't like you know like that literally does nothing it builds nothing no i I, talking about different ideas yes that builds something when you're constructive and positive about it but there's arguing about stuff you don't like with other people that don't like other stuff is like what a waste of time yeah what an absolute waste of time i wish you could like quantify the energy used or whatever like calculate the energy used and pointless arguing oh and like gosh. you know what i mean like how, what you could power with that like if those people just put their energy into like positive things like what what art could you have made yeah you know exactly especially when it comes down to like something as subjective as music like it's mm-hmm. so like i i just that is like one of my biggest pet peeves i'll never forget this some a girl i i used to i used to talk to like we're just in the car listening to my music and she's like you got to let me take Ox. I'm like, why? She's like, cause your music is, is not good. And I'm like, according to who? Yeah. Like, you know, also, and it's just were like, you driving. Yes. Then yeah. you get to pick yeah. music. That's literally the rule. Like, I was just like, what? Yeah. I was just, because it's like, in a way like music. And I think me more so than others, because I, I have all these records. And I, I love, mm-hmm. I love listening to music and it, in a way it is a part of my personality. And when you, when you, when you bash my, right. my exactly. music, it's like, okay, so you're bashing me as a person. Then. And right. I was like, Whoa, that yep. was a deep cut. I was like, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. having this. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, yeah, totally. yeah, so negative. Cause man. I mean, isn't it, isn't it sense of smell and music are both close, so close, super closely tied to memory yeah. too. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, I just know that from experience. hundred sure, percent. Sure. Yeah. I, Music, yeah, it's such a personal thing. It like, is. Like, my boy, don't, don't talk, don't, when someone's looking at a Depeche Mode record, first off, Depeche Mode's one of the greatest bands of all time, so how dare someone even, like, talk shit about Depeche Mode in my presence, but, like, someone's looking at it, talking about how much they like it. Shut up. Yeah, don't why? Don't say yeah. you don't, don't make a rude remark about it. Like, wh- what are you even thinking? Yeah. Like, what, what, what is, what are you trying to... Who are you trying to impress here? Because if it's me behind the counter, which people try to do, of course, it just, yeah, it just I'm happens. sure you get Whatever. that on occasion. You're literally not going to – the only thing you're going to do to impress me is buy a record I like, <laughs> say something nice to somebody, 
pay for it and leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you want to chat and have a positive chat, awesome. That's fine. I love doing that. I love a small, short, positive chat. But like trying this, this like trying to be like Jack Black, high fidelity Jack Black in the record store you don't own. Like it's already bad enough if you do own it and you behave like that. But like as a customer, you are. We have a book. We have a secret <laughs> book of when people say insane shit at the record shop. <laughs> we date it and we write it down and we have a lot. That's like all we can do is like log it. Log like we'll look at each other and I'll be like log it. And we have to just write it in a little notebook, and that's like, all right, it's out, it's out, it's out of me. I don't have to think, you know, like, I don't need to be irritated by this. It's in the book. It's over. <laughs> so the stuff like that goes in the book. That's awesome. It's the only positive way I have of dealing with it. But all right, yeah, I guess, I guess, kind of, kind of wrapping up here. Like, mm-hmm. the I think the last big thing I wanted to touch on was, I mean, when did this idea of okay, like I grew up in Oshkosh, but how about, how about Appleton? Like when did, when did sure. that, when did that? St- yeah, it's a good question. Sure. Um, so growing up here, we talked about how super lame Oshkosh was Yeah, back then. Like there's like, I'm going to rattle off some chain places, but like, dude, you could not go to Best Buy. There were like, you couldn't go somewhere to buy like a bunch of video games. I don't think there was a GameStop here when, or like anything like that when yeah. I was, you know what I mean? Like there, I don't know how you made it through. Dude, it, like there just what like the whole the whole area out by Highway 41 that's like granted now just big chain places or whatever. Yeah, but like if you needed to go to a place like that, because there aren't options, there there just weren't options. There wasn't a local option for a lot of that stuff, and there weren't like none of those chains or any of that big stuff was in Oshkosh, and the mall in Appleton was huge. And bustling and like every there was, you know, like back then there was a place called Suncoast Pictures, which was like the the big mall chain movie store. And they carried a bunch of weird anime stuff that I really liked when I was in high school. So like they when Dragon Ball Z was first available in the United States, you could get some of them at Suncoast Pictures. Um, You know, like you, there was nothing like that in Oshkosh. You, yeah. Like you just had to go to Appleton to go to stuff. So I was used to going up there for a long time, going to the exclusive company up there before I worked there. Uh, and then... um when I started working at the Oshkosh exclusive, I would fill in some days at the Appleton store. And I was just like, dude, it is another world up here in Appleton. <laughs> like it was so busy and people like so much more music up there. Um, like w- more weird stuff. It was really, it was like, what the heck? Um, and so when I found out the exclusive company stores were all going to close after Mr. G had passed away. Yeah. Uh, I, sat down and I remember the day I heard the news, I was like out at this, I was like out shopping with my wife and she's like, she could, she could just tell, like tell I was like on my phone. Like she's like, what is going on? And I'm like, I, I'm like, dude, the exclusive company stores are closing. And she's like, Oh my God. And I'm like, I think I need to open a store in Appleton. Like I immediately, it was like instant. I was like, I think I need to open a store in Appleton. Um, Cause I knew more people spend money up there on records. It's a bigger market, you know, like, Appleton itself's population isn't so much greater than Oshkosh, but you have Grand Chute, Little Chute, Kimberly, Combined Locks. There's all those other communities around it. And you have Lawrence University right downtown. Was there any other record store at the time? Uh, with Ixus Company closing, no. Wow. For a while, okay. there was a little shop up there so, called Top Spins that did just used stuff, which was really yeah. cool. They had a bunch of neat stuff. Um, but they had closed and... Uh, I mean, I, I, I still was friends with Mark that managed the exclusive company. So as they were wrapping up, I was like, can I buy 
record bins and front counters and the rails for the wall to put the records Literally on. everything, yeah. So I was able to just roll up with a U-Haul, throw a record store's worth of retail fixtures in it, drive it downtown, and wow. put it in my store. We pick, repaint them, put them out. That's awesome. It was like... I was like, I was like, this is literally a once in a lifetime. This is like not even once in a lifetime. Like when, when does the primary like record store, to put it into perspective, like there was a point where exclusive company sold one in every 700 CDs sold in the United States was sold by an exclusive company oh store. My gosh. And, um, they, they were just like nationally known. They were, they were. There were not a lot of, because like when I worked at the music distributor, I worked, I was the sales rep for regional indie chains and also Hot Topic, because back then Hot Topic carried music. And so I was soliciting releases to all of these stores, and there's only one other chain I can think of that had more stores in the exclusive company, and it's Newberry Comics, which is huge. They have like 25 or 26, maybe less now, but back then, 25 or 27 yeah. stores. Enormous operation. Um, but aside from that, like... Bull Moose and Independent Records is one out in Colorado. I don't know if you've been to any of those, but that was like, I don't even know if those are still around. Homer's Music in the Nebraska area. There were a handful of these regional independent chains. None of them were selling as many albums or have as many stores as the Exclusive Company. It was a big deal. And the Exclusive Company was the oldest record stores in the country that really? sold all types of music. I did not know that. So there were some older record shops in like Nashville that were just country yeah. record stores that were yeah. older. But for what's called a full line record store that carried all styles of right. music. Um, the, the West Bend Exclusive Company was the first one and then Oshkosh was number two a year or two later in the 50s. Um, the, those were the two oldest record stores, full line record stores in the country. So wow. to have that operation close is like once in three lifetimes. That doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, this does not happen. This opportunity does not present itself. Um, and I just had to go absolutely like out on my ass to like pull together every resource I could and borrow money from everyone I could, <laughs> uh, which has thankfully already been paid back. Thank yeah. God. Um, to make it happen in three months. I went from like, I, I went from like literally having a conversation about buying this building to being like, never mind. In one week, like in <laughs> it, it, to, to like, I need to open a whole nother store. I can't buy a building. Um, that was like the, the thing, the, those were the two, the two options at that time. So, uh, it was just, it was very shocking, very crazy, very stressful, but I just kind of like did what I did when I was 21 years old and I had the opportunity to put out a triple LP for the first time. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to, I know what I need to do. I just need to like put my head down and just do what I need to, I know what needs doing and it's going to be, it's going to really suck yeah. doing all this work and it's going to be very stressful, but I just need to do it and it'll work because obviously this was working. Yeah. And with having the only other competitor in the area gone, like, and being in a position where I can like, all right, we're just going to stock all of the popular music now. Well, with that, even in the one in Oshkosh, with that being closed, you knew this was going to automatically mm -hmm. flourish more, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, so it it was yeah it it, it was like a, like an overnight decision that I just had to do it, and then it was all the other stressful stuff after that. But again, like with everyone that works here, being like putting in tons of work and some like private parties that like the banks would not lend me money, like straight up. I was like, 
you look look at our sales. Yeah. Like look at our sales growth. Look at the market. Look at all these X, Y, and Z. And they're really? like, they're like, ah, we, we just don't me. see records as collateral that we're interested in. How about your, do you want a home, right? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not an LLC so that you can take my house from yeah. me. That's not how this works. So, um, so some private parties, like regulars, old friends, like heard me pissing and moaning about this. And they're like, I got, I got some money. And I, this is at a time when I'm like, this is just out of COVID. I'm like, nobody has money. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm screwed. I'm, I can't come up with this. But some people that, appreciate this and believe we're like hey i got some money that's so cool uh, that was like i was like at first i was like absolutely not yeah no way i'm not jeopardizing any of these because it's not guaranteed by Dude, any means absolutely right? not. i mean yeah i mean we did a contract so that it was like legit um but it was still like I, at first i was like absolutely not and then yeah. more i thought about it, i'm like this might be the only choice <laughs> like i might not have yeah. i might not be able to say no if you really want to do yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty scary, um, but obviously like way worth it in the long run. Um, and then there was like some really cool things that I was able to take advantage of right at the tail end of the eligibility period, um, like these state grants, like the 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 Main Street Bounce Back grant was one big one, um, where I got like a ten thousand dollar grant for opening up in a like certified downtown sector that yeah. was part of like the downtown promote like um business organization and stuff like that um so i it was actually the the nathan the owner of this new age store in appleton called um angels forever uh they have like a big buddha outside their store and they it's kind of like satori's but without the smoking stuff my dad's really good friends with Nate. oh dude yeah Yeah. he's awesome it's funny he's so awesome (laughs) um so we we were looking for stores yeah and at storefronts we're looking at empty storefronts me and my wife carrie were on like a cold night we're like all right well we just need to drive down college ave after work and just start looking at empty stores and yeah just to see what's going on this is like two days after like this was all happening real quick you had that idea yeah 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 yeah. i was like we need to go up there we need to start driving around and uh, he was open, and I always wanted to go in there. So we popped in. Um, and I just started chit-chatting with him. And uh, unbeknownst to me, at the beginning of the conversation, he's, like, involved in a lot of the Appleton downtown sort of, like, stuff, like mm. the little business improvement organization and everything that. that's, yeah. like, part of the downtown thing. He's, like, because um, they've been downtown for a very long time. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You know. Uh, so at the end of the conversation, he's, like, well, I'm involved in this, like, group. You should talk to this person, and they'll help you out. And, like he gave me a contact info for someone it's called Appleton downtown incorporated and gosh, gosh, it's called the bid. It's kind of the similar type of thing. Yeah. They just help development downtown. Um, but it's part of the city and he's like, call this person. And that person found me a building that wasn't up for rent yet. That still had a tenant in it, which is where we are now. And got me to sign up for all these grants, which ultimately with all the grants, we got like $13,000 total in grants that I didn't need to pay back. Um, that's awesome because he helped kind of like guide me into those things so and what's really funny is we moved into the store where angels forever used to be a long time ago which is also very funny yeah that like he helped he helped me along a lot there and then we ended up like being in the same store where he used to be yeah so that was really funny um but yeah he's awesome um very very kind and very knowledgeable and a good businessman so um yeah it was it was all stressful people like that helped a lot you know yeah i gotta i gotta check that store out oh dude it's such a fun shop yeah like um, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not like spiritual or religious, but I like a lot of like, you know, coming from like the metal scene. Like I like a lot of occult stuff, yeah. like just ba- 
on imagery and aesthetic alone. Like, I just think that stuff's really cool. And they got all sorts of like fun little, you know, witchcraft stuff and yeah. rock, like the rock shop kind of stuff too. And, um, like there's a lot of stuff up there. My wife was into and that my mom, my mom's really into new agey stuff. So she really likes it too, but yeah, their store is awesome. It's, it's, it's really cool up there. That's sweet. Yeah. So I guess going towards the future then, mm-hmm. like, I mean, are you content with these two stores? Do you have short-term, long-term goals that you want to hit? Like, mm-hmm. are you are you totally satisfied with it's now? I mean, I think it's unreal that you were able to pull off even two stores. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. like that's insane. It is. It was. It was unreal. Um, a lot of people would like joke about a third store. They're like, when you open it up here or here, and I was like. I do not even want to like joke about that. Yeah. Cause like the stress of that, well, like I'm in, sure it's PTSD towards Appleton and you're like, right. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like right after Appleton opened, I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Like I'm like still not comfortable with all this work that just went into this. Like yeah. st- I'm still stressed, you know? Um, very much so that. So like I, I mentioned earlier when we started talking about like failing upwards for like 20 years. Yeah. I haven't really had, despite what my leadership class taught me in high school, a very clear vision for like the progress and the evolution of all this stuff over time. It's really been kind of like gut feeling, just go, you know, like, all right, things are really good and stable and at a good growth pattern. Now I'll think about like, well, well, what else could I do? Okay. What else could I do? And like, it started as like a way for me to just keep my brain busy. Like when I lived in Ohio, starting the label and doing all that stuff. Um, so I had to like reframe everything about like when I, when eroding winds became its own thing, when it was just an online store right before becoming a record shop, I had to reframe a lot about like, all right, what do I, I need to stop thinking about this as just like a continued evolution of me keeping myself busy. This needs to be like, have a goal. Um, but seeing as Appleton was such a surprise to me, even I want to kind of sit tight for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe in five or 10 years, things change and there's an opening in another market that makes sense. Take advantage of it maybe then when the time comes, but yeah. uh, I need to, I need to actually make some money for a little bit <laughs> as, as with two stable stores that I can bop between every day and it's not too overwhelming um, and just be content with that for a while, Yeah, which is like part of like closing the record label, minimizing all the other stuff that's going on and just being like, we're good. We're good right now. You know, it's cool. I don't want 11 stores. I don't want to be exclusive comedy part two. No, you know, like no. that's, I, I saw how much work that was firsthand, like being in that office yeah. every night when I closed and just being like, that is, I could do it. I could absolutely do it. Um, and I, I firsthand know, still know a lot of people that run, manage these regional chains that I forged relationships with when I was selling them CDs, when I worked at the distributor that I could tap into for like some more knowledge on a larger version of the operation. But I just chill. I feel like at a certain point, yeah, that your job now versus you with 11 stores, like Mm -hmm. your job, day-to-day job activity is very different between Mm -hmm. those two. I think there there would need to be, you're not going to talk to the customers a lot anymore. I would never see anybody. Yeah. Yeah. At this point now it's, it's like even been like a big reduction in how much I get to talk to people, which I've been, I've been behind the counter for seven years. Yeah. I, these days I sit back here behind this wall and, uh, 
go through used buys, appraised buys and make offers or ordering restocks or ordering new releases. And that takes up most of my daily time. And I'm like, cool with that. Yeah. I'm cool with the balance of it now. We're like, all right, I'm here if I'm needed or if someone I want to talk to comes in, I can do it. But yeah, if there were a bunch of stores, there'd need to be literally be like five of me. What I'm doing now, there'd need to be like five of me because buying used records is so tedious and takes so much mm-hmm. time and requires so much knowledge. Like if I go out to someone's house and they have 500 records, I need to either know what's ex- know all of that already, which I know for the most part, I've like have experience with most of them or quickly know how to discern the value of that on my phone. Yeah. You know? Um, and that requires like an, an immense amount of experience that I can't just like train someone on. Like, no. all right, we're going to do a house buy because. Cause you have all this, these yeah. precedent sales of like, yeah. Oh, I remember that. So mm-hmm. for that. And I like, have, for some reason, you know, like, I can't remember people's names. But I remember everyone's face that's ever come in here. And I remember for some goddamn reason, I just I can just look at this like stack of hundred records. And if it's if it's common stuff that we've looked at before, like, I just <laughs> I, I just so know, cool. you know what I mean? Yeah, or yeah. I know if I need to research it further, which is the bigger thing. Yeah. Like I know that every time we get in this Led Zeppelin album, we gotta check the matrix to see if it's an RL pressing, because then it's worth a bunch of money versus being fifteen dollars. Yeah. Like knowing when you need to know more is just as important as the base knowledge. Yeah. Um, so having more stores would require upgrading someone that's already here to be like training them for the next level, which is a tw- 20 years of my life experience, yeah. trying to bestow that knowledge onto another person in a short period of time. Just so eventually, you know, I, I, I trickle that stuff out to people in a manageable fashion. Like Parker here at the Oshkosh store and Seth at the Ableton store, they can, they can do buy they do buys all the time without me they don't check they don't run stuff by me yeah. they know the process but when it's 500 records and six boxes that someone drops off call Adam yeah it'll be done today if if Adam does it yeah you know and it's hard to expect someone else to put that sort of effort in when their name's not on the LLC paperwork <laughs> no you know it makes sense yeah yeah I guess closing up great episode just Thanks, like yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty long winded so I I. No, this you is You might great. have to edit some, I guess. No, but. no, this is, this is great. Like, whether, whoever's listening to this is my age, you know, 15, 30, 40, upwards of 80. Like, I mean, I know you said this wasn't your dream job and everything, but like, I feel like if there's anything you could pick to do, it'd probably be this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, if, if, if anyone out there is listening to that and's like, you know, I have, a dream or something mm-hmm. like, like me and you are kind of like chasing after this. You've, mm-hmm. you've in a lot of ways, I think accomplished what you wanted to do. Like, what would you, what would you tell them? Like sacrifice. You have to be ready to sacrifice. Like just be, prepared. Sure. be prepared. Be prepared for that. You need to be prepared to, you're going to lose friendships, not for any negative reason. Just, you don't, you're not gonna have time. You're not gonna have time to do it. You're not gonna have time to go out and hang out and be social and do stuff. I still do that on a very, very reduced scale. Um, not gonna be able to buy all the stuff you want. I bought a uh, new car this year, and it was a 2013 Prius. You know, like <laughs> it's you're you're not gonna be able to do all the things that you see other people doing that get a regular paycheck. Yeah, you need to be ready to sacrifice and eat cheap and not do stuff so that you can have a day to day that feels fulfilling or that is working towards your goal. Like that's that's really the biggest thing. 
but now I get to go record shopping and it's a business expense. So that's part, that's part, you know, sometimes it works out where you get to do some of the cool stuff you want to do and it's part of the business. But, um, a lot of the days, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm working late. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave here typically and have some like hang out with my wife. We'll do stuff. We'll be social with people, gaming, whatever for a little bit. And then I'm working again. And I'm doing that until two in the morning and then I'm back here the next day, you know? So like it's, it's finding, finding, finding a way to like balance that and keeping your sanity and still being responsible for like the things you have to be responsible for, you know, like obviously people with children run businesses and you can, you can make it work, but it's a lot, it's a lot of sacrifice and it's a lot of, it's, it's a real balancing act and hundred, like 110% 110% dedication, uh, trying, you know, balancing professional life, family life, your own mental health, which is like the biggest thing probably, yeah. honestly, is like, if you're, if you're not mentally prepared or strong enough, quite frankly, like yeah. you bet you better go to therapy and get your stuff figured out yeah. and whatever you got to do, go to a counselor, get your stuff because it ain't, it ain't for, it's, it's, you're, you're going to be pushed to the absolute limit to do the things that you, you know, if you, if you want to make your, the dreams like this work, yeah. of like, these are my goals. They're very difficult to achieve. You're pushed to the absolute limit mentally. You know, that's like the big thing, I think. And I feel like the preconceived notion for all that is that like, you know, every day you're going to wake up and just love what you do. And that's just it, even me, I've, I've yeah. realized I very quickly, yeah. like I'm not even there yet. And it's like, you're going to wake up and pull out your phone, your email's going to load and you're going to be like, fuck, that's, that's your first, that's your first interaction of the day. You know? Welcome like, to Monday. Yeah. 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 Like that's just, that's just how it is. You know? Yeah. That, and like stealing yourself mentally against that, like that's, you have to be able to be like, all right, I'm going to get ready and I'm going to come back to that email. And I'm not going to think about yeah. it. Until I'm in the store, I'm not going to worry about it. When I'm in the store, I'll get mad about the email then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a yeah. lot of knowing how to – and I'm, like, the last person to 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 really, like, lecture anyone on not getting mad about stuff because, like, I get pretty tilted about a lot of stuff. But um, knowing when you need to just shut it off and be like, all right, that's a problem for future Adam. I can't deal with it right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's a lot, it's a lot of that running business is a lot of that, like triaging constantly, you know, like multitasking, you know, someone here isn't feeling good today. And then the Appleton store calls me and they said, Hey, this transfer was supposed to come up, but it hasn't yet. Uh, cause we thought you were going to bring it, but you haven't come up yet. Can you bring it? And I'm like, well, no, I need to do an hour trip and (laughs) then I need to meet with you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, all right, what is the, the, the order of most to least crisis for today? That's my to-do list. Yeah. Not not like the what I wrote in my calendar today because that gets done tonight. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's the tonight stuff. Yeah. When I show up today, what are the crises that need to be need to be dealt with? You know, or or whatever. Did someone just walk in the door with five hundred awesome jazz records? Yeah. That I need yeah, to go yeah. through because now that's the most important thing. That, yeah. And that's my day. Yeah. My whole to-do list. Doesn't, <laughs> so I don't even like. Goodbye. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And if if someone if someone else is asking and. You know, most of my job is just answering people's questions, providing support to the staff so that they can do the job. If if it's not on fire, 
and this thing's on fire, like, sorry, I, I can't, I'll, I'll talk to you about it in one hour. <laughs> like you need yeah. to figure it out for, you know, it's a lot of balancing and just like mentally dealing with all of that. Yeah. That like all, someone once said like, when you're the business owner, like, well, shit, shit runs downhill. When you're the business owner, you're at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> you're dealing with all the, you're shoveling all the shit. Like that's it, you know? That's a good analogy. That's like, that's, that's like, I like that. every day I think about that. Like someone told me that a long time ago and I'm like, it's every day. <laughs> and like, not, not that, and it's not anyone here making, it's not any staff making shit happen. It's just the nature of running a business. You yeah. know? Everyone here is great with helping me shovel it. Like that's what we're all, like we're all in it, in the little trench together, shoveling it together. But um, just the nature of business is dealing with shit. And it's not customers either because the customers are awesome. Like I love chatting with people. Yeah. It's just running a business. Yeah. It's just stressful. That's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's all I had for you. Cool, man. Thanks a ton for coming out. Yeah, of I course. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we got it to work out. Great story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I appreciate it. Awesome. The nature of business is dealing with shit. And it's not customers either because the customers are awesome. Like I love chatting with people. Yeah. It's just running a business. Yeah. It's just stressful. That's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's all I had for you. Cool, man. Thanks a ton for coming out. Yeah, of I course. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we got it to work out. Great story. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. All awesome. right. I think we're rocking and rolling here. This is decent. <laughs>